So let's call to order and uh, let's start first with the roll call. And we have uh, Alison Alex, who is uh, away on vacation. So she will be, you know, guiding us, uh, presenting and uh, working as Alex and today. <laughs> One thing is that uh, it's going to be also an online meeting. So the microphone is right here. So I have a very loud voice. I don't think there will be any issue with that. But please uh, speak up, especially those who are a little bit further away, so everybody can get this good online. And I leave it to you for the roll call. All right, Clark here. Denise Doyle here. Jimmer Jimmer. Ted Buchanan here. McNardy here. Kirsten here. Will you speak? Here. We have and Woodson. Here. So, we have a quorum. That's great. So, we have a quorum. And uh, I understand that there's no minutes for please, right? Correct. No so, we can skip on that. And uh, Alison's report, or should yes. I say secretary? So, I don't have um, all of the information going to Alex is working with, so I don't have a formal report. But the one thing I do know that I can share with you is. The guidelines are seconds away from being posted online. We're going to post the text. I just need um, Alex to take one more look at it when he gets back from vacation, and then it will go up. So, uh, and we will make note of that. Point, uh, we don't let's look at the agenda. We don't have anything in the consent agenda. We just have a regular agenda. I am asking if you have any comment on the regular agenda or any change you would like to make. Mm -hmm. 
sense. Okay. So at this point, we can uh, start the regular agenda. So just one quick note is if you do come up to speak um, from the general public, uh, just sign in. There's a sign-in fee up here, but if you miss that, there's one by the door and one over here. Um, so I am Allison, and I'm going to be presenting this first case. Presentation. Okay. So this application is for a proposed pedestrian plaza and street improvements associated with the new Coastal Richmond campus. Uh, though the plaza will be privately owned, this application is being reviewed by UDC due to a provision in the B4 zoning code which allows for a greater front yard setback if the resulting area is used for a pedestrian plaza or outdoor dining. In these cases, applications then must be reviewed by UDC and the recommendation is forwarded to the planning director for final approval. The project includes streetscape improvements along South 5th and Trediger Streets as well as the south side of Bragg Street. The streetscape will consist of a brick and concrete sidewalk with street trees and illuminated bollards or street lights in select areas. The plaza is designed to provide pedestrian access while taking into consideration the site's existing topography. Access is currently provided from the east and the west. The plaza is elevated approximately three and a half feet from street level at the intersection of South 5th and Trediger. The proposed plans at the moment do not show an access point at this location. However, to soften this transition and to provide uh, pedestrian access at this pivotal corner, staff is recommending that a terrace pedestrian entrance be included at this intersection. From this entrance, staff is also recommending that a direct path to the retail and dining area be provided bisecting the proposed lawn. The plans for the plaza also show a mixture of canopy trees around the perimeter plaza supplemented by ornamental plantings. Um, to increase Opportunities for shade within the plaza staff is recommending that additional canopy trees be provided within the lawn area specifically. The application proposes additional elements such as movable furniture. No information on trash receptacles has been provided, but staff is recommending that at a minimum they be provided at every entrance to the plaza, including the newly proposed one at the south. Information on lighting within the plaza has also not been provided, but staff is recommending that additional illuminated bollards or another fully shielded light fixture be provided at a minimum along the perimeter walkways within the pedestrian plaza. Um, and finally, staff is recommending approval. Oh, here's the lighting. There you go. Uh, staff is re recommending approval of these of this proposal with um, the recommended conditions, which I generally detailed in this presentation, but they're listed up on the screen. Um, and I'd be happy to pull up any additional components of the plans that you'd like to see, and the applicant has representatives here if you have any questions. So do we have um, applicants here? Does the applicant have any presentation or additional things? Will state your name? I will. And you have about five minutes. That's right. Good morning, Mr. Chairman, members of the UDC, my name is Tim Davey, I'm with Timmins Group. We have a group a group of people here with us, uh, including, I believe, Greg Nelson is online, along with Jared Foss, who's coordinated a few graphics that we would like to uh, provide, so we'll go ahead and respond to staff's comments. I will say the staff has been exemplary in helping us build this very, very, very special project. Uh, we have other members of the team that are here. Our landscape architectural team is here. Our, our architect is here. Um, our, uh, Cushman representative who's doing the ownership is running of this project this year. So we have everybody here to address some questions, but very specifically related uh, to what staff has recommended here. Um, Greg, if you're available, I was going to go ahead and see if I could turn it over to you to sort of show the zoomed out view 
of this project that we're talking about here tonight? Yeah, I, I do have a available to share. And the reason for us to show this is to try to show the transition and the transformation of what we've been trying to do since staff has been working with us so much on this particular area. And remember, the reason that we're here uh, is because the B4 zoning district requires the buildings to be up on the property line. We would like our building to be set back from the property line and therefore take advantage of the provision that allows for a plaza or a restaurant, outdoor dining, to be on the street frontage. And that's what we've been transforming along the Treasure Street frontage is to try to make sure we have this welcoming environment that is both a restaurant um, and welcoming to the, to the um, pedestrians along um, Treasure Street here. So Greg, you were going to sort of take us through a couple different perspectives on how people would arrive at this campus from around this area along the river? Yeah, so hopefully everyone can hear and see the screen. Um, right. So downtown Urban Core, we have 7th Street, 5th Street, so we've traced down uh, 7th and 5th. The blue dots indicate access points to the plaza that Tim is referencing. So the natural access point from 7th Street from the north of Browns Island to Browns Island has a natural connection point to the three access points along Tredegar. History from the downtown environment has natural access from these two points along History, one for a small dining terrace outside of a potential retailer, and then to the main plaza. Then we have additional access to connection, the bridge, and then Tredegar itself proper to the two access points, one and fifth. I'm on uh, Treasure Streets, and those access points are approximately 65 feet and 70 feet from the intersection of 5th and Treasure, readily accessible from that intersection. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Greg. So again, trying to give a slightly bigger perspective that sort of informs staff's oh. comments. I had unmuted. Can you unmute for the feedback? Fantastic. Um, so most of the uh, recommendations are in staff report, we believe we've started to address. Um, the two specific ones that we have concerns about are right at the corner uh, where there's asking for a terrace um, entrance there at the corner of Fifth and Tredegar directly into this restaurant space um, and the, the path that they're asking for to go directly from that intersection up into the restaurant space. Uh, again, we're talking about a restaurant um, and so we have some concerns about safety. Um, we have concerns about being able to actually find a tenant to lease the restaurant space if we're not giving them more control and secure access to that particular area of the plaza. Um, but we do feel like we've met the intent of most of the other staff's um, comments with these additional entrances into the plaza, the additional way that we actually are making sure that it's welcoming and safe uh, in the plaza. And then even on that corner itself, with your approval allowing us to move forward, we're absolutely willing to work with staff and try to soften that corner if we can, such that if people want to walk up to the corner and they don't necessarily want to go in the restaurant, is there a new wall or someplace like that that they might be able to rest for a little while or something like that? Uh, we're willing to do something along there, but the two very specific recommendations for a path and a terrace access that's open to the public up into the restaurant are the two concerns that we have. Otherwise, we think the staff has done a wonderful job of helping us facilitate a home run world-class project. Uh, we hope we have your support moving forward this morning and, and our 
Claire Duke is here to answer additional questions if you guys might have. Any other questions for the applicant? Is there a perspective view of that quarter we can look at? Greg, do you have a perspective that might be handy? We don't have a current perspective view of that corner that's been updated based on our, our new plan, Tim. What was included in the UDC package is, is all that we have available. And the UDC package, the perspective really was what the material change, Greg, that has been made really is, um, is a now a lower area with a slightly smaller fence than what was originally seen, correct? Correct. It would be a softening of that that wall that's shown in the UDC package to right. a stepped wall condition where we would have a, essentially a seat wall at the intersection, then a planting bed, and then a small seat wall again. So again, that's for clarifying, we have a ton of respect for the processes that we put in place, been working in the city for years. Uh, I guess jurisdiction of, of why we're here before you is that 10-foot strip that really is a long trailer. So we do believe with the softening of that corner, we're trying to create more of an inviting area, not the full 10 strip along Trinidad, but at least at the critical corner that staff was worried about. Uh, we think we've worked with them to lower that wall, soften that corner, and we're willing to continue to work for that. Uh, we just don't think we can meet the two very specific provisions of the license. Question. Um, could you please elaborate on the issue of security for the restaurants and why would the stair provide an unsecure environment? Well, because if we do have a tenant who's leasing that restaurant, it's an operational um, responsibility for them, obviously, to control the outdoor dining area, the restaurant, um, and obviously secure that. So at night, obviously, when they lock up and go away, it needs to really be a secure space for them. They're going to have tables out there. They're going to have things out there. Um, and so the idea of really having people able to walk right up into that restaurant space after hours uh, or when the restaurant isn't open is one of the security. The other is children in outdoor dining that are playing in the area or out there, you know, in this um, open environment, sort of falling down the steps as well. So both from an aspect of security and safety is the two concerns that we had. And these are actually the results of a retail consultant that we've hired who's going to be tasked with trying to help lease this space. So we think our design team has done a wonderful job trying to address the commendable design concerns. It's the operational side of this thing that we're thinking about because we really don't want a dark restaurant. We want this restaurant to be vibrant and full as many hours as we possibly can operate. Sorry, if I, a point of clarification then. Uh, you have two entrances on each side. Yes. Are they going to be closed at night? Uh, the, the secure area is going to be closed, but those entrances themselves are not going to be closed. So why would an additional uh, connection uh, be less secure than uh, the other one that's already existing? Well, the restaurant space itself is going to be closed off, but the plaza and the entrances that are further down Treadinger are going to be open. Right, so, so it's, this, is, it's this very specific corner that is going to be closed off. Closed um, off by? By the fenced area and the restaurant area that's shown right there. Could you please uh, show where the, the closure is and the security area is? Greg, can you show the entrances again? Yeah, I can, I can share, and maybe, right. maybe, um, there we go. So we have access points at these 
five-star locations. And Tim, maybe it's worth pulling up our current iteration of the plan, having Jared talk through what we've modified um, at this point because of the feedback we've received from the UDC, from uh, staff as well. Um, we've, we've taken a slight tweak to the plan to help soften the corner and provide Again, additional access points along the two principal street frontages being Fifth and Tredegar. So this is a current version of the plaza. Can you describe, please, where the secure area is? Greg, did you hear the question? It, was it to describe where the secure area is? Yes, correct. So, Jared, as I understand it, we have two principal areas. One in this location, a sporter retailer in this location, and then another in the, I'll say, the point of the plaza, this location to help support this retailer, and then a, a third small area for maybe a coffee shop or something of that nature in the retail area here. Correct. A third, a third, a third zone let's say so we have kind of broken down in three or four zones the zone here a terrace out outboard of this we'll call the pedestrian street the secure zone here along with some dining under the uh upper stories of the lower of the boundary park south building so jared that that through path that greg is mentioning from fifth to Tredegar that will not be handed off at any time correct that's what we currently anticipate. So the question is, uh, why would then another connection right at the corner where most of the flow happens be a security problem? So, the, so the triangle of area, uh -huh. even though people can move through the street, that triangle of area would be leased restaurant space. And so that would be area that we need to lease to somebody and allow them to leave tables out there, leave chairs out there, leave you know, the heaters out there and things like that, even in closed restaurant hours. And that's an area that they really want to have more secure, even though people can sort of walk through the path, even at off hours. So it's a balance between trying to create a plaza feel that's somewhat public, but some private space that we can actually lease as a restaurant. So I recognize it's maybe a little bit atypical and it's not all about just design, uh, but it is a little bit about us trying to make sure we meet the intent of why we have this area along the river. I, I mean, I would say a difficult balance. And if I'm reading into the staff's comments, I'm imagining off hours being at that corner and having this sort of uninviting, unoccupied space. And I'm worried about seeing the restaurant and the life of the street that we would be hoping to bring to the street when it's not operating as a restaurant, which is a lot of the time. Um, so I, I sort of question whether or not that corner piece should in fact be the secured retail restaurant lease space, or if there's some way it's either visual and you're making sure that that connection all the way through to the restaurant is always inviting. Well, you're saying specifically from the corner itself, um, specifically? Which is why I was asking for the perspective. Right. Um, or, or it is a rethinking so that this this portion of the land that basically is 
being used by the city and its public plaza is in fact accessible. That's and, an interesting balance with, with its plaza for dining. That's the way the ordinance reads. Okay. So we are choosing to use part of it for dining yeah. and ask for obviously the support of the UDC. If this entire facade along Tredegar was a building built right up to Tredegar, it could be a restaurant and it could be closed off completely. You could have a door that you have to step right into only if you were actually planning to go into the restaurant. Right. So it is a little bit of a balance of us trying to sort of you know, meet sort of the intent of outdoor welcoming space, but also then a profitable operating restaurant as well. So 35 years of doing this in the city, um, you know, trying to find this art versus science approval to this is, is where I think the Coast Guard invested heavily uh, in not only enlivening up the river, creating the intent of what we're trying to do, but obviously the jobs we can create along the river, the tax revenue we can generate, the meals taxes we can generate are all part of the equation for, for this very important project. So, again, trying to continue to address the staff's two concerns in the public realm down on the street by maybe pulling that radius back a little bit, making that radius right at the point a little bit bigger, creating a little bit of a new wall for people to sit down and walk trying to address some of the issues about lighting and shade. Absolutely, we want to continue to work with staff there, but we don't want to leave this board with the impression that we do agree with the direct path up there, uh, which is one of staff's specific recommendations. That's why we wanted to come and talk to you this morning. Thank you, Karen. I've got a couple questions. Um, could you go back to the site plan that you started with? The zoomed out site plan where Greg talks about the different access points? Mm -hmm, where it shows the river. Yep. Greg, can you share that? Yep. Working on it. While you're bringing that up, is there why did you guys include a plaza instead of just dining? Was it like a public service or was it required? Well, the intent, again, in reading the ordinance, um, all started with our interest in stepping back from the river. So the, I will. I will not architect. I, I hope we're giving you a little bit of rope with this design. But we're building this campus. They want the building to cascade down towards the river. You know, the bigger portion of the project is the towers on the northern part of the site. The existing building is there, um, and then the third building sort of cascades down to the river. So they really did want not only their employees to have some place to along the river. They're very open to welcoming others in. Um, the other key component is what we've talked about. The ordinance does allow restaurant and outdoor dining and that's where we've migrated toward for part of the space um, because we would love to have places to sit along the river and have a meal and see the river. So it really in my opinion is Coast Guard trying to meet the intent of the public plaza but also provide other things that are not in the ordinance, you know, very specifically trying to get people not just Coast Guard employees there on the river. I think the the that is clear. It's the if it's dining or plaza and the issue is that you're putting dining on a plaza that's accessible to the public, and the staff recommendation is to give more access to the public, which is an issue for dining. Is there a reason why you didn't just keep it closed, private space? Well, again, the wanting to be a good neighbor mm -hmm. uh, and wanting to help Venture Richmond and others accomplish what they're trying to accomplish down there. Um, staff report does you know, acknowledge Venture Richmond had to bless this plan as well because of a, a covenant that was placed on the real estate. 
And so I just went through the same process with their executive committee, their architecture review committee, and their board last Friday in vote on in support of, of allowing this plan. So again, trying to be a good neighbor to them. Um, having leasable space along the river has been a challenge. Getting vendors to come in and actually create commerce on the river has been a challenge. So I think in this particular case, yeah, Coast Guard didn't really want to have that detail door that I talked about before on the Treasury. They wanted it to be welcoming, but they also wanted to be a profitable, successful business. So I bring it up because I think the intention does matter, and I think it's a good intention to serve the public. And from an urban design standpoint, there is kind of a straight shot along the river that culminates in that point. So from a design standpoint, it makes the most sense for there to be an entrance there. That being said, I am imagining, based on my experience with projects, that there is cost to take into consideration, and that is your highest elevation drop. Um, is there a way to think about adding an access there, which is the best for urban design, and removing another one to try and mitigate that? Well, there's also a little bit of a, of, of a traffic safety thing there as well, when you're trying to actually have people crossing. And so I know there are plans to try to make sure people cross at the intersection in the right locations and the perpendicular crossings. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the road that we've built that sort of connects heaven to Tredegar gives people a way to sort of move from Fifth to Tredegar or Tredegar to Fifth without sort of coming up on that hard corner right now. Mm -hmm. um, so there's also a concern for us if people are aiming for that corner, you know, they might not be looking to cross perpendicular across the road as well. So we're trying to bring some of their attention further up Fifth and further down Tredegar as well, because right at that corner, the grade is the steepest right there, so you see we reduced the, the new wall or the retaining wall from what was more like five or six feet down to about three feet or so. And then again, as Greg showed, as we widen that radius and put a little new wall around there to soften the appearance of it as well, although people are not going to be able to step up into the restaurant directly. So I do have a little bit of a concern looking at pedestrians aiming for that corner and some of the traffic that's down there as well. Festival days are no cars, but on other days, there are cars down and then my, my last question is just on the plans, there was a key for ramp locations, but the key was like orange with aqua border, and that wasn't on the plans. Could you point out where the accessible entrances are? Greg, did you hear that question? So, I think we might need to take a quick pause. I don't know why, but like I just uh, cut our uh, online participants, so I'm trying to bring them back on. service report and it's listed as a need because it's starting to become invasive. Okay. So I, I actually I think that I'll do it just to reconsider. Um, and then on the back are alternatives to that tree that they have on there. Any, any comments you want to share or can we just accept this and see what we can do? We can accept that and see what we can do. That is, uh, that is actually a request of the city. <laughs> I have some additional landscape questions for you guys. So. Uh, Sorry, one second, Alison. Do we need to stop? I think we should take a quick break. Okay, let's take a break and then we get back online. All right. Because otherwise,
otherwise people wouldn't be able to use this technology issue. So let's go back one second to Jesse Beamer, who had a final question. Is that right? Yes, the So let's go the there, and then we go back to was it Luigi who had a question? Okay. It was about the accessibility points. Um, I just didn't see any ramps marked on there, but I assume they are included in the plan because they were keyed. Jerick, are you in a position to address the accessibility locations? Yes, so the, the, just, just a couple of comments. The east-west connection that we have kind of gives us that accessible walkway uh, from both 5th Street and Tredegar. Everything is kind of an at-grade um, access point with the exception of this kind of the, where that center stair is. And then just just to kind of clarify on the on the security question, when when we have been laying this out, we, we've had a number of uh, of teams that we have been working with. We have been balancing this with the city comments, with our retail consultant, and with our security team as well. So we we see this retail area being open. Uh, but it will have the option to uh, to be closed off if there was a need for security. Thank you, Jerry. Let's answer your question. Uh, yeah, I just I know we're moving on to landscape, but if you could, if with your blue beam tools, just mark where those security points would be. Like I don't know if you're talking about a gate or how you would block it off, but I think. If the reason we're being asked to disregard staff comments is because of retail safety, it would be nice to see how it's being addressed now with the five entrances that you have. Um, I don't, or is, are you screen sharing or are they? Yeah. Okay. Um, that, I mean, I think Andrea's point about if it's already open, it's hard for us to say, ignore a recommendation based on security. Um, and as for the path, like I think 
people will walk across it, that plaza, um, regardless. So I don't know if you want to just plan for that with putting in paths. I don't, I'm sure you're familiar with the concept of desire paths, but I don't know. Yes. That was one of the recommendations you guys object to. Jared, do you want to expand on that just a little bit regarding do you, increased do you access points that we talked about? And, and again, your opinion about that corner and, and where the concern is about the access at the corner? One, one of our concerns with access at the corner is um, as we've as we've looked at the retail and been working with the retail consultant if we if we drop that down to an elevation where it's even with the corner then that becomes less desirable as a retail space so we've he held everything kind of up at that finished floor level that's set by the existing building and so while that access walk will be open, that south piece will allow us to have outdoor dining and events, but still continue to have that pedestrian access from east to west, as well as have dining adjacent to the facade of the building. As it relates to kind of securing things, we kind of see, um, you know, security coming from the east corner of the building, down through the landscaping, cutting across right where the little hand is going, kind of coming across the top of the lowest wall where the point is, wrapping back up, having something at the top of the stairs, then coming straight up again from that location and then cutting across east. And then securing again in the location that Greg's kind of just identified. So nightly, those would be barriers that were put up where you just sketched out with your mouse. Correct. And a barrier couldn't go across a corner of stairs. Well, physically, it could, but it's the specific path request um, and uh, softening that curve down to the street level that staff has recommended are the two things that, that you're um, not in agreement with. Um, but we do respect everybody else's questions about how this actually will operate. Um, and again, if all the other comments, many of the other comments the staff have provided, I think have been incorporated in. Just two of you have been through the ringer a couple times already. Um, and this is sort of where we're at Jared, any input on what you project might be an example of a barrier that a restaurant operator could put up? I mean, we we have been anticipating kind of a you know a, a fairly low profile um, fence, and then you know when everything's open, keeping all of that kind of out of the way so paths are clear and open for you know free access at each of kind of the five locations. Well, it wasn't clear to me up to now, so the plaza is going to be closed at night. So it's not really a public plaza 24-7. So it's going to be a public plaza during the day, but public plaza only crossing because uh, 
the cables, uh, I understand that people will not use the plaza. Is that correct? Am I assumption? Am I understanding it correct? Again, there's a plaza, the witnesses are at plaza and dining. And so, correct, part of what we're proposing is dining, should be considered dining. Uh, and part of you know, the areas during the day where we can, and some of the areas that Derek has been outside of areas Derek has talked about, could be considered more traditional plaza. So, it's really trying to serve both purposes in a successful way, a lively way of making sure that this, this corner has got people, and it's got eyes, and it's got activity, and it's got commerce going. I'm not at night. Except for, yeah, whatever restaurant hours might be there. But I'm not up at most of the hours that these restaurants are closing, but many people are. Well, in the evening, yeah. Uh, sorry, Luigi, if you don't mind, I think I have another question. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. This no, no, let's, let's, let's something else. Uh, on. From the original uh, um, exhibition, uh, there were tables all along the edges. I mean, I love the idea of the plus. I don't think there's so many places in Richmond where you can dine outside and have a bureau. So that's good. I mean, definitely, I would love to go dining there. Um, but the original plan had tables all along the edge, and the grid was pushed a little bit in the center. If I'm there to have dining and I want to see a view of uh, you know, the river, I would love to be on that edge if that edge is not uh, used. Why the idea of moving the green area right at the corner? And how that green is going to be used if there will be no people uh, you know, dining there and uh, the dining area is not going to be kind of a public? I mean, uh, Jared, can you explain? I'm, I'm sure the restaurant operator that we pick may have some flexibility in how they would want to use that triangle, but can you give some thoughts to why things have changed from the last iteration to this one? So some, some of the things that we looked at, we, we toured a number of different um, restaurant locations. So we're showing this as a flexible lawn. So you know, the anticipation is there may be some games that happen out there. So could be bocce, could be cornhole. We've, we've kind of shown dining and tables and chairs on the sides. But, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, when we have a retailer that signs up for this location, they'll probably have some input on how they'd like to ultimately use it. So my point is, yeah, they absolutely may put tables right up closer to the river, which is a more of a tenant decision more so than a design decision at this point. So flexibility is what we're looking for. Sorry, Eugene, you have a question. <laughs> oh, that's fine. You're good? Everybody's good with that final part. But um, a couple, going through the landscape items, obviously the trees, uh, you know, you, you're taking out most of the trees along Tredegar and then Fifth Street up to Do you have an opportunity to maybe switch out some of the plantings or inter intermix them with the, the alley elms and maybe something else, some other species? But then looking at, also you got sort of this, on this sketch here, you see where you have that drop off? And I know you have like that concrete between the sidewalk to the curb, and that's the typical standard there now, but there's also an opportunity to maybe just leave that so it's uh, turf, not turf, but some type of ground cover. So it gives the trees a better chance of surviving. If for some, if you keep it this way, how big are those planter boxes? Are they going to be the same? Because the the ones right now on Tredegar also have uh, pavers installed in it, which 
limits the amount of uh, water getting to the trees. Right, yeah. And also I noticed that you had suggested concrete chambers. Why wouldn't you bring something that's permeable? Let me let Jarek go ahead and, and again, could you, did you hear both of those questions, Jarek? Can, can you I, think I, I think I heard both of the questions. I think the desire is to, you know, meet meet the spirit of, of the district. So we have the brick paving that's kind of interior where the walk is. We have the concrete that would be adjacent to the granite curve. And then where we're planting the street trees, uh, we see um, at grade planting that will be in those as opposed to this the stone that's in there right now. Jarek, you cut out for a minute. Not sure if you can hear me. I can I can hear you. Sorry. Is, were, were you able to hear my response, yeah, Greg? Your, your last couple sentences yeah. um, clicked off, so repeat those please. So we think this we think the street trees, you know, they maintain the spacing with kind of within the district at the base of those trees, we would like to plant. And so we see that as uh, as ground cover and low planting at the base of those that kind of softens things. And would you consider just having ground instead of having the concrete around it, having ground cover all the way around? Greg, was there, any with, were there any comments through the rest of the city review so far that sort of led us towards this and, and would stop us from sort of going back? Uh, there were some comments from DPW about um, honoring the, like, like Jarek said, the district standard with street trees on center. We do have on-street parking along 5th Street that provides a means for folks to get onto the sidewalk to see the gaps in tree wells. irrigated too, correct? The correct, will be, but they'll be irrigated. Yes. Yes, yes, Jared, one last question. Um, I noticed that within the site plan there are two car, um, uh, um, sorry, uh, street paths uh, for the curb to get into the parking garage. Um, are you providing anything to alert people? Usually we don't like, you know, to cut, you know, all sidewalks, especially this parking garage might be confused. Uh, what are your, um, what are you doing in order to prevent people just to walk through and uh, stop the conflict between cars and pedestrians? Great question. Great. Can, can you share just a little bit about sort of where that entrance is related to the entrance that's out there now? and the size of the parking lot that will be served by this entrance? So I think I think I heard correctly we're asking about this entrance at the southern end of the property. That's one of the ancient health homes. So start with the one at the southern entrance, Greg, yes, which okay. is serving the retail. Yeah, so, so, so this acting for the retail. So this access point is specifically accessing public parking spaces. There's approximately 90 parking spaces that will be under the Hobby Park South building that are accessed here. There'll be means to exit the parking deck to the retail spaces. 
Um, so there'll be 90 spaces here. We have this access that is for an auto court for folks to pick up and drop off folks accessing the CoStar uh, building. And this access point, we're actually going to be sliding around the corner onto Bragg Street. So this um, vehicular access point will no longer be connecting to Fifth Street to the parking deck. So this will be moving around the corner based on staff comments on the plan of development. So the two entrances are where there are current uh, or historical entrances into the site before. Um, but at this point, we haven't done any media traffic calming or any specific signalization or anything like that at that point. There's been no requests by Timber Brooks or anybody's support. Any other question from the community to the applicants? I, I was just wanted to, to thank you for your comments on the. Uh, on the paving issues, um, I guess the lawn would act somewhat as a as a water sink. Or how do you plan to manage the runoff since you're so close to the river? Eric, this one's right up your alley. This is um, <laughs> from the core element of the guiding principles of this project. I'm very proud of the work Jarrett's led us through for. Can you deal with Jarrett's concept and high level stormwater management techniques? So, so we, we are working with Greg and his team for uh, water capture on the site. And then we'll be dealing with all of kind of the surface runoff by, you know, we will be preparing kind of a grading drainage uh, plan that we'll be working through with Greg. I think it's worth mentioning that we'll be retaining water on site for irrigation purposes. So we'll be capturing almost all of the water off the roof areas, the plaza areas, even the surrounding green spaces that are adjacent to the right-of-way, capturing that water for irrigation reuse throughout the green areas that you do see on this plan that are farther up the, the building as we terrace up from the river. It's impressive what they're doing. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. So if there are no other questions uh, from the community, then let's open up. It's thank you very much to you. Thank you for watching Let's open up uh, to the public. And, uh, There's a question from yes. Ms. Yes. Lester. Okay, yes. you got that. So we'll start the public talk period. And um, I, so anybody online, raise your hand if you'd like to speak. And we'll go ahead and start with Janine Lester, because I see that you have your hand raised. Good morning. Thank you. Um, so it looks like the, there are underplantings being proposed for inside tree wells within the right of way. Is that correct? Jerick, Greg, will you address it? That, that is correct. Um, how did you get that past urban forestry? Because the underplantings are prohibited in tree wells. They contain trees and mulch and nothing else. Greg, is there any specific comments from urban forestry that could shed light on that question? Yes, yeah, so Janine, we did have um, our, our latest plan development submission, um, including the trees and some Underplanting shown. Um, perhaps we did not receive your comments on those plans, um, but perhaps that's something we need to work with you 
further on. That'd be wonderful. Thank you. So at this point, let's go back to the committee. Do we have a motion to discuss? Someone yes, wants? trees and mulch tree wells. Just trees and mulch if you're planting within the right of way. Thank you. Um, anyone wants to make a motion to discuss, discuss the discussion? You are um, putting a motion for approval with a condition to change the trees that are considered uh, invasive with another list of trees. And what about the um, recommendations from staff? From the from staff, the, yeah, those yes. recommendations. In your motion, do you include all of those or? So we have a motion from uh, uh, Eva Clark. Oh, well, well, just a clarification. Oh, sorry. Is it for the plan that's submitted or the revised plan that's prepared? Oh, maybe I got confused. Yeah. Yes, that's right. So the plans that were shown today are slightly different from those that were submitted. So are we approving the one that was uh, shown today or the one that was submitted a couple of days ago? Which one is the motion? So the one that yeah. okay. So we have a motion from Eva Clark to <laughs> <laughs> approve the condition uh, to approve the conditions uh, as listed by staff, with the exception of uh, the additional illuminated pollards, right, and uh, with the addition of revise uh, the tree planting. Those trees that are considered invasive with a list of new trees that we that let's say provided. Do we have a second? I'll second. So second by Jesse Huber. So just a point of clarification. So with the bollards, uh, sorry, be to, uh, sorry, uh, let's get the um, okay. the, the, um, the second and let's discuss. Okay. Okay. Right. So a second by Jesse. Now let's open the discussion. So with the ballers, would it be acceptable if they were lighted ballers put on a timer that is? Yes. Oh, okay. Right. I just I just don't want them on in the middle of the night. Right. right. Okay. What about if the ballers were you know a kind of dark sky, so just illuminate the ballers Perfect. for security? You know, you don't you don't provide light that shines up. So maybe for security, you want these ballers to be illuminated all night. Provide a level of exactly a candle that's secure, but they are, you know, dark sky 
I agree with that because I think that if staff is leaving the restaurant at like two or three and it's completely dark in that plaza, it's pretty dangerous. So it would be nice to have even illumination as long as it doesn't go up. We've also, my office is right there. We've had a lot of bad activity at nights. People are, are shooting out the globes from the light posts on 5th. They're drag racing up and down Tredegar. And so I understand the desire not to provide light pollution, but I think the security issue is a greater concern right now, um, just from firsthand experience. Yeah. So in the approved uh, rental or motion, we are keeping the additional paid tasks to provide electric from the intersection. Is that the goal? I, I think that there's two things on there that we should discuss. That one, I do not feel like that path is necessary, um, especially if the plaza is going to have multiple uses. People will walk anyway. If it gets ground into the dirt, they will probably come back and add a path. But I would rather leave the lawn open. Um, I mean, I, I'm second in the motion, so we could discuss it, but that's how I feel about that. And then I'm interested in everyone's thoughts on the terrace pedestrian entrance because that was the issue that was brought up today primarily and I it's a beautiful project as is and my thoughts on that is that the case made to disregard staff comments was based on security but I don't think it was shown that with five other entrances and the ability to add barriers at all entrances which will be done that that was a compelling enough reason to disregard staff comments it's whether or not we agree with staff so, what do you guys think? Can I ask a question of staff process-wise? Can you can you explain where this goes after? I, I believe it's not going to planning commission. Yeah. So this will just go to the planning director for review. And, yes. that, and then the planning director incorporates it into the POD review and yeah. accepts or yeah. th throws things out. And the planning director I agree. Um, I agree with you about the pathway. I don't. I don't think that that's necessary. As for the corner, if this were on public property and this was a public plaza, obviously, I'd want to keep that corner as open as possible. But because this is on private property, and they're really trying to get a tenant for the restaurant, I'm inclined to let them keep that closed. It's been very challenging to get tenants along the canal walk period over the last several decades. And CoStar's investing half a billion dollars in the riverfront, which I mean is really needed. That area is crying for a restaurant. And I would it'd be a shame to have a hard time finding a good tenant because of what I think is a fairly minor design decision. So I I, I would prefer to uh, remove the pathway recommendation on the on the corner. Although I, I do like the softening of the, the corner with the seat walls and stuff like that and making it sort of more interactive to the public, I'm okay with the entrances being along the periphery. 
Just to follow up on that, um, do you think that the five other entrances, I, I trust the retail consultant, I'm, I'm trusting the information that's given to us, but do you think having six entrances as opposed to five is gonna be the thing that stops a tenant from coming? Or five, I, I, I guess, I, guess I just others? don't know. Yeah. You know I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a retail yeah. consultant. I, I think the ability to have tables on the edge on the view, mm -hmm. which would not be possible if you have an entrance right here, actually would be a, a negative for a tenant. Um, I, I'd say, uh, how many people will be uh, using the, the building? 1,500? How many employees will be? I'd say a total of 3,500. 3,500? 3,500 employees for starts. Well, I, I think that's quite a, uh, at least for lunches, I think that's that's a, a very positive reason for a restaurant to want to, to buy that. The, the challenge would be the evening meals. Um, so, I, I mean, you've got, if you've got that many people out there, you know, if, it, if it's decent food, I'm sure they'll do well. You know, I, I, mean, I, I don't think you'll have a problem really getting, uh, and I could be wrong, you know, that's, that's your uh, thing, but that's, that's my thought. Um, so, one question for the community. So, is there anything that can be that would help defeat that edge? Is there anything we can do to, what can we do, or what can we say, is there anything else we need to suggest to maintain that corner, but make it, you know, less hard? I mean, there were some suggestions of uh, planting, uh, softening. I like, for example, the fact that it's kind of a transparent uh, handrail, so that people sitting there can definitely see outside, and that decreases the height of the wall to, I think, only three feet or something like that. So I think that's already a good thing. Is there any material? Is there anything we can do? We were talking about seating. I think that might be a good suggestion there. Uh, so I'm asking uh, if you have any other suggestion recommendation for the corner, if we decide to keep, uh, not to, to include another entrance there. I like the, the larger radius curve with a planter with a seat so that there's some softening of vegetation and a place for people to sit and look at the river and also not keeping it tight against the sidewalk so it feels like there's an area of rest. I don't know, uh, Andrea, if I can make now questions to the applicant yeah. or to the rest. Just about the material of that three-foot high wall, what can you, I know you have all the materials, but can you just tell us what it is? Jarek, can you answer that question about what we think the material of a three-foot wall in a corner would most likely be? We have, we have looked at, you know, the existing walls of the canal as kind of an inspiration there. So we think it, it may be anything from, you know, a precast to a stone. I don't know that we've finalized that material, but we think something that's kind of in, in the character of the neighborhood. So would we are we fine with the type of material for keeping that corner as it is if we want you know I, I personally I would like to see more stone and that precast you know that I can understand about budget <laughs> issue that it's not lower. But 
I just have a bit. Sorry, sure. Yes, sound please go material, ahead. No, no. We're, it's, we're inviting people that may have gone to Belle Isle or coming back and found mm -hmm. a nice place to sit and are having their lunch and have craft receptacles and contributing to the water and yes, not have a place to put it. If that's an inviting area to. Yeah, I perfectly agree. So it's part of a um, staff recommendation. Yeah, recommendation. If you want to be more specific, maybe, I don't know if you want to amend that to be more specific on the specific areas, maybe at the corner, of, you know, or at the entrance to this, you know, or at the plaza, there should be receptacles for people entering or exiting the plaza with the trash there. That could be usually in the okay. location. Are you fine with that, or? Are you... No, I mean, I, that's fine. I think that they're close enough. I think those probably are close enough to the sitting area, if I remember. At the entrances, so they you have yeah. to walk to it. But it's oh, so adding easy. one at the corner is what adding you mean. Okay. So the potential proposal would be to remove from the motion the second and final points and ask that the corner be amended to have a deeper radius with a trash can, a seat, and a landscape planter. Does that sound, do you agree I, to I amend the motion? Okay. So let's then uh, reformulate maybe your motion. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make all everybody clear. Try to. I mean, do you have a second? Do we have a second? Second. Okay, so just to give her seconds. <laughs> do we want to read some? Do you have? A, can you read it? What you have? Uh, just to make sure that it's uh, right. Yeah. So, um, okay. So the motion on the table right now is to approve the plans, the revised plans as shown today, with staff conditions, provided that they're amended to remove the condition for the terrorist entrance. To remove the condition for the path to the dining area, to amend the bollard condition to require that whatever is put there be dark sky compliant, to 
add a condition that the tree plantings be compliant with the urban forester standards and that the proposal to plant elm trees be reconsidered and that a trash the trash receptacle condition be amended to also require a trash receptacle at the corner of fifth and Frederick within the plaza. So in addition to softening the corner of the street with a seeding and the enlarger bedroom. And landscape, yeah. Landscape and seeding. We got everything. That was beautiful, Allison. That was beautiful. <laughs> All right. Okay, do we get to a vote? So, yeah, I, I would just like to say that yes. this is this is a wonderful project, and and I know we all wish you well on this, and we thank you for choosing Richmond. Um, it's an honor to have you here, and just thank you very much. Yeah, that was the So we go for a vote. All right. Clark. Yes. Denise. Yes. Doyle. Yes. Skimmer. Yes. Pet Buchanan. Yes. McNardy. Yes. Pearson. Yes. Kalichi. Yes. And Woodson. Yes. All right. The motion passes. Okay. We haven't said very long as we but it's very interesting discussion. Thank you very much. Here we are now. Okay, we are moving on to the next agenda item. Let me pull up my notes for this really fast. Okay. So for this item, the City of Richmond's Department of Parks, Recreation, and Community Facilities is proposing to an addition to the existing Southside Community Center. The new addition will be contemporary in design. It will include indoor recreational amenities and other community spaces. Along with the proposed addition, some minor exterior renovations are also being proposed to the northern facade of the existing building. It includes insulation and replacing some windows. The Urban Design Committee reviewed the recommended, excuse me, reviewed and recommended approval of the conceptual application for this addition at their October 2018 meeting with the following conditions. That the final plan provide a planting plan and schedule with special consideration given to existing areas of the building that may have large expanses of, of walls, such as the auxiliary multi-purpose court and utility cup room. And that the final plan provide a lighting plan and consider the use of LED with a 3000 K correlated color temperature or less. Planning Commission then reviewed this and approved the application with the UDC's recommended conditions. This review is focused only on the exterior of the new addition as the design was approved with final, the design, site design was approved with fi the final approval of the Southside Community Center Master Plan in 2019. The new addition is located adjacent to the eastern and southern elevations of the existing gymnasium, as you can see in this plan view here. It features a contemporary design and is striving to achieve a LEED silver certification for new, new construction. The design uses various roof forms, projections, window openings, and materials, um, and it will obscure the entirety of the eastern and southern facades of the existing building. Exterior materials consist of masonry, metal panels, composite siding, and an aluminum curtain wall system. 
Um, staff is recommending approval of this application with the following conditions. The final color specifications be submitted to staff for review and prior to the permitting process. And because this was this is just a condition that wasn't addressed from the conditional review, that the planting plan uh, be provided indicating the use of taller plantings adjacent to, to expanses of blank walls um, submitted to staff for approval prior to permitting. Uh, that is all I have to present today. Can you like discuss? And I think we've got three representatives here. I'm Dexter Goo with Special Capital Projects Group. I'm uh, representing this project as a project manager for the city. And with me, I have Jennifer Weatherfoot. She's with Orlean Associates, and she's the architect, designer, director. So basically this project, as you've heard, is part of the master plan. Fortunately, we just had the grand opening and ribbon cutting of our skate park, which was part of a, a, another phase of the project. We've done this in three different phases, so to speak, you know, after the, pro after the prop property was first purchased uh, by the city. So we renovated the existing gym. Uh, and we tore down some existing buildings that were not going to fit in well with the scheme of things for the master plan. So then we went to the next phase, which is where we have the skate park, which is getting a tremendous outpouring of uh, use, as well as accolades. You know, we're having folks coming over from hearing about it from out of state. You know, I say that as far as Boston, excuse me, Boston, New York. Uh, North Carolina, you know, there have been several folks that have said where they're from, you know, they heard about it, they came to skate. Uh, so we, we're enjoying that fact of it. So this phase, of course, is the grandiose piece to do the addition, which is about 25,000 square feet or so of additional space. And in your package, it, it details exactly what's going to be part of this project in terms of a, a second gym, boxing, uh, indoor playground, outdoor playground, uh, and all other hosts of things, community garden, uh, culinary kitchen. Uh, so it's going to be a true community center and a real focal point of the city of Richmond, not just South Richmond. So, thank you. Thank you. Any other comments on the architect? Um, I don't have any other comments other than to note that um, this expanse that you're seeing on the right-hand side of the building where you have the wood look and then yellow and then the back is the auxiliary gym. That was commented on about having some plantings in front of that. There is a, an outdoor playground that will be outbound of those spaces. So um, plantings up adjacent to the building aren't really practical with the, with the playground. We're gonna have some shade structures, um, but we're keeping the landscaping outboard of that. So um, it won't be a blank wall. So they're not there. So the yellow, what you're seeing in yellow there with the um, the sunshade off the curtain wall, yeah. that's an indoor playground, and there'll be direct access to an outdoor playground that will be right outside of both. It kind of expands the linearly uh, along the base of the building. So um, the site plan shows plantings, but not within the playground. Yeah. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
the staff recommendation was for color specifications. Is that for the, I think, navy, gray, and yellow? I believe that information was included in the submittal, so I'm not sure about um, other than. I guess um, we did the schematic design process and at that time we presented a couple different options of color schemes to Parks and Rec. One of them included a green instead of a yellow um, but we know we wanted to use vibrant colors. Um, we we want to attract people to the building. We want it to be a fun lively space so we're trying to reflect that with with some of the bold colors and this was the scheme that was approved um, internally through Parks and Rec what, what, what they wanted to do. In yellow, I see in, on one side represented under the entrance. And mm -hmm. um, why did you keep it that aside? Is another entrance there so that it doesn't identify areas where people will go to? Um, not exactly, though the other side where we have the yellow is the indoor playground. So it is, it, there will be some in and out there, though um, primarily, I, I believe, functionally, and Hayward may want to speak to this, they'll, they'll want people to come through the front door. So there'll be an entrance, but it will be a supplementary entrance from that outdoor playground. I think they'll want people to check in and not just have free access to come through that door at any time. I'm just asking because, uh, you know, I like the colors because you can tell me what it yeah. makes it, you know, alive. It's just like you have the two colors, you know, maybe they might get people to go to both entrances uh, if that represents in some way an entrance. How do you think that people, uh, you know, will be, you know, is it going to be clear what the entrance is and uh, are the people going to be confused by the other? Yeah. I think it might be clear because there will be a fenced area at the outdoor playground. Okay. So um, it, it, while it'll be inviting, it won't, it won't look like an entrance. You know, okay. there'll, be a, there'll be a fence there. There'll be an entrance um, on the, the corner of the wood mm -hmm. that is closest to us. That'll be a primary entrance. existing gym or to the new gym? Yeah, I would consider, and this is something maybe we can discuss, the can like the yellow block with the canopy because it's the brightest and the canopy normally denotes a main entrance. To me, red as where you want it. I know you will have a fence, but 
I would consider adding a canopy over the door to the boxing door, like something that says this is also this is an entrance. Um, I I like the way it looks. It's just formally, it's a little confusing. The canopy at the playground is mm -hmm. um, a little bit up in the air at the moment. Okay. Um, it's it's a it's a feature. The shading feature of it mm -hmm. is um, something that we're interested in, but there's discussion with having a possible shade sail on the playground itself. Then we wouldn't need that canopy. Oh, that sounds um, great. Yeah. And I don't disagree about the boxing, except for that is it's more of a while it's a program that is open to the public. It's more of um, a program that you're involved in and you know what you know about. So okay. it's it's more of a I don't want to say private, but well, it's. I was going to say it, it, it it's, it's almost private because the boxers and the athletes that are going there, they know where they're going. And, you know, if there happens to be any public, I guess, uh, invitations to it, mm -hmm. it, it's, you know, they know as well because of, of the, I guess, the athletes always knowing where they have to go and for them conveniently going in the life. Plus, if they come into the building, someone would let them know, mm -hmm. oh, well, boxing's over this way. So that, they don't, they, yeah, they didn't necessarily, they don't want necessarily to be a standout to say, hey, this is an entrance, because they don't want folks from the general public to necessarily be coming there and, well, no, you need to go to this way, that, that kind of thing. So it's kind of, kind of more of a, when I say private, it's only private to the extent of the boxing folks themselves. So that's part of the reason for that. Uh, I think we have uh, Deborah Morton on the line. Uh, good morning, hi, I'm um, sorry I couldn't be there today. Uh, I'm Deborah Morton, I'm the Deputy Director for Parks and Recreation. And um, Dexter is correct. It is a specialized program. Um, while it will probably expand when it gets into a bigger space, uh, you will have to register and sign up for this particular program. And we will have st staff there at all times. So um, I think that a separate entrance, since they, they're usually there a little later than the general public in the facility, um, is, ne is something that is necessary. But it will be monitored by staff also. Thank you. Another question? Yes. No, I just, this is just a comment. Just looking at this, um, and thinking if I drove up to this building, I would definitely go to the big yellow building with the canopy. Would you consider painting the yellow building the darker, maybe blue color, so it's more like this is the building and the yellow pops, this is the entrance? We could consider that, though I think the, the yellow um, representing that indoor playground and having that as a lively space um, was, was an intent more so than, I don't want to call it sophisticated, but the, the more, um, the not formal's not the right word either, but um, the less playful spaces, yes, the traditional <laughs> spaces that are um, represented more in, in the darker tones. Would you consider a pattern? where it's yellow mixed with the two other colors or one other color? I think I'm less, less interested in less patterns interested in that, okay. than I am with the color. Any other questions for the mm -hmm. Thank you very much.
your time. Mm -hmm. uh, now let's go to the public. Is there any question from the public, either online or in the public? Uh, Point, uh, let's see if we have a motion to discuss in a second. I'll move to approve with second. Second? Second. Second. Well, let's discuss now. <coughs> the second from Justin Bauer. Okay, any discussion, any comments? Seems like we're going straight to vote. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's an easy one. Okay, let's go for the vote then. Clark? Yes. Oh, sorry, why did you repeat the motion? Oh. Uh, yeah, just to make sure. The motion uh, right now is to approve with staff conditions. Okay. Do we have the applicant? I believe we do. And the applicant 
want to say five minutes to... <laughs> two minutes, two minutes. <laughs> Hello, uh, this is John Kim. Um, I'm a city bridge engineer uh, working for the public, uh, Department of Public Works. And this is Tom Westbrook. Uh, he's project manager working for the public, uh, uh, public works again. And this is uh, Gary Johnson of Timmons working for us uh, as a consultant. So we're here to answer your question. Uh, to be uh, brief uh, on the existing uh, structure, it was built uh, uh, in uh, 1909. So it's about 111 years old structure. Uh, I think it's one of the uh, oldest structures in the city. It's about time to retire the rest. Um, so we need to uh, uh, replace this bridge with uh, a lot of uh, uh, aspect of consideration, including that the uh, traffic volume, 28,000 daily vehicles passing by over top of that, we are, like uh, uh, I was mentioned, that we are, this area is full of history, so we try to be very careful in uh, uh, modifying this area, uh, replacing the bridge uh, with uh, the historic uh, value, uh, try to keep the, uh, the historic value as much as possible, yet as the public works and as a city bridge engineer, safety is a number one. Bridge has to be strong enough to uh, cross. So, I just want to make sure that the 111 year old structure also around the area, as you can see, that there are uh, a few uh, structures uh, retaining that the uh, soil that we call abutment. That's the also 111 year old abutment. We don't know that. So instead of dealing with that, uh, we need to come up with a solution with the uh, tunnel structure. Uh, so uh, if you have any question, we're ready to answer. Any questions? Yeah, thank you. Um, just one quick one. The, the reduction in overall width of the culvert, mm -hmm. is, that, is there a reduction in the width of the path, or is that just sort of encroaching on the buffer zones on Outside. Yeah, good question. Yeah, can we go to the uh, number one? I don't know whether that slide. Yeah, there you go. So that will uh, show that the section view of our. Can you uh, zoom the middle one? Yeah, I click it just the bottom. <coughs> the bottom one. The bottom one will be good. It's a quick in answer. It's in on the buffer zone. It's not in on the actual walkway that's there now. Yeah, there, there it is. So the benefit of having this structure tied to replace the existing bridge is we don't have to disturb the, the traffic while we are setting up the, the uh, uh, new structure under the bridge. So that's the beauty. So that the, if we use the conventional method to replace the existing bridge, it may take five to six months. You can imagine that the traffic disturbance in 28,000 vehicles will be affected. But this method will affect only one week of traffic uh, disturbance. So I think that's a huge benefit. 
And also the one other benefit is we don't have to deal with the, that with the uh, uncertainties of the existing abutment infrastructure. That's that's a normal thing. So we need to uh, eliminate all the uh, uh, uncertainties, not all. Try to minimize it at the least uh, in terms of the structural cost while maintaining the, the uh, uh, attractive green construction. And on top of that, as you probably are aware of, the, the VDA is replacing five bridges within the city right now, just superstructure replacement. And 100 feet away from that, to the west side, there is I-95. Mm -hmm. There's the same bridge with uh, Broad Street over I-95. Is currently under construction, not right now, but the, mm -hmm. they uh, already started the project. So, uh, we, the best scenario is we don't want to close, even if it is one or two weeks of the uh, disturbance. We really want to uh, uh, utilize that construction period. So, as the, as they fade away, we can jump on that, so that we don't have to close the uh, road twice. One quick follow-up. What's the what's the wall to wall width of the clear opening? The new one is a twenty feet. It's twenty feet. Yes. The existing one is uh, the uh, average is slightly less than thirty feet. So if we have only uh, ten feet uh, narrow, uh, but still the twenty feet is a pretty good enough to satisfy the current need. And the previous one that was kind of you know. Taking shape, then yeah. going from 27 yeah. to 32. So, we're reducing that up to 12 feet. So, almost yeah. you know, quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. What about the length? Length is a little bit longer. Yeah, Currently, 60 feet. How yeah. long is it now? Yeah, because of the, the see that yeah. the, uh, the abutment wing wall, we, you see that little trapezoidal yeah. shape that we yeah. call wing wall. The wing wall is also made of the same material as the abutment, which is the stone uh, masonry type, 111 years old. So we try to minimize the risk by uh, putting the uh, structure a little further uh, on both sides so that the, we don't have to deal with that 25 feet uh, tall structure. Uh, instead, I think that is about uh, 11 feet. So what is the total length of um, the plan? It's in the, it's in the plan package. I could not find but it. I, think I saw that. the old one, but I didn't see the new no, one. No, the new, the, the, the new, new one's on there. Show, show that the uh, proposal is 30 feet. Um, I'm sure it's going to be there. So the old was 60 feet, feet roughly. Yeah, I want to say it's in the neighborhood of 120 feet. Yeah. 120. Yeah. And what about the height? Before, we, it was going up to the bridge, it was very tall. And what is it now? The, uh, because the only drawing I see shows seven feet up to where the curve starts, but yeah. I could not find the total. The height is actually a point of contention right now. We would like to be able to access and dig out their storm drain if possible, but we also direct doing direct bury of the replacement of the water line over the arch, and those requirements are three and a half feet from the road surface. Yeah, currently, uh, the existing condition has about the 23 feet of uh, vertical, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But this is a conceptual uh, design stage, which means that the, uh, the final design of the tunnel structure 
will be determined in the final design stage, but we make sure that emergency vehicle need to pass through without having any trouble. So uh, it, it will come, but we so unfortunately we have the range that they're looking at. Like 15 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Around 15 feet. Around 15 feet, yeah. 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 Uh, what is the purpose of uh, narrowing the underpass from 30 to 20 feet? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the nice parts about going to some sort of a culvert type system is we, we can have shallow foundations. We don't need to go down real, real deep. So by bringing it in, it gives room for our foundations to be constructed along while traffic is up top. So we don't, by doing that, the foundations get pushed in that then hold in the arch. So then traffic can be maintained up, up top while this, almost this entire thing is constructed. We, and, and it meets, it, it far exceeds anything that you would need for a shared use path or a pedestrian path with 20 feet. You know, if it was 10 feet or 14 feet, you'd need anything. You know, so we're even going above, above and beyond that. I was thinking of that yeah, against the existing apartment, which may be wider, but the construction method we not allow, and we don't want to rely on the, the existing 110, uh, 11 year old structure. So we can just uh, let it retain the existing soil while we're gonna build a new structure, and we need a space for the equipment to pass through. So. Uh, but in the meantime, we need to make sure that the, the 20 feet is uh, uh, wide enough to accommodate the uh, future need. Uh, the reason I ask, Gabriel was hanged there, uh, just feet from this structure. Um, in 2019, University of Richmond, through a grant, funded a, a performance down there and they used that underpass to a very, uh, a, a very beautiful effect. Um, what I see now is it, it, it almost looks, at, forgive me, it looks suburban to me. Uh, the, the other one looks very Richmond. I mean, for one reason, because it's run down, but um, <laughs> uh, that wasn't funny. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it, I would just hate to see that it, you know, it, it couldn't be used for further, further performances. This is such an extraordinarily sacred area, mm -hmm. and, and that I, I just I hesitate to to approve a, a smaller area. The thing is, the, uh, we have to think of the uh, whole development, uh, not development, the project going on. I'm sure you are aware of that the uh, heritage uh, uh, project is going on in the, the, uh, the Rumpkin's uh, jail site. Right? So, uh, have you seen that the rendering of that? Yes. Okay. So beautiful, modernized. It's not matching with the uh, uh, rich, true rich history, but still, it's beautiful. So uh, trying to, if we just focus on that, I mean, the, uh, yes, I fully agree with that. It is not really representing that the uh, true uh, historic Richmond that we did. Um, my undergraduate major was architecture and 
training for those kind of kids uh, value for four years. Um, yet, again, I'm an engineer also. We need to make sure that we utilize the taxi money uh, fully and more effectively to sustain and to maintain the, the safety also. So it's kind of a balancing game. Thinking of that, the kit that the uh, how much it costs to restore uh, the actual bell, uh, the structure uh, is double or triple. So that's the time that I have to give up. So I just let you know that there was some effort to get that. But the three point nine million dollars is given all hundred percent federal money to. Discussed also. Yeah, so that's in the presentation. presentation. I didn't mention that in my yeah. presentation, but in the future, if they did that, they just have to come back to the UDC for the class for final review of that. I think I would soften it. It wouldn't look similar to yeah. urban, and you just. Because, um, like uh, uh, Mr. Wilson said, it's a sacred place. Yes. And we just want to wanna do something on, on, on the, instead of presenting like the two more modern. Uh, so, that's the reason why uh, we give it a little uh, yeah, surface to do something uh, as kind of decoration or some kind of flag to... Uh, like this walkway yes, leads to here, right. this is where people pass through. Yeah, so, and we, we have coordinated with the heritage site folks, and, and we did see this as almost like a blank canvas for them once that gets a little bit further developed, that this can tie into it. And this isn't taking away from, from that site at all. So that's, yeah, but that was part of it. But uh, isn't this the main connection from the future one piece slave jigs? So for future national slavery, we see the last two jail and the last two burial ground. So that's really a minimal, meaningful location. And now we're talking about the bridge was 60 feet becoming 120, lower from 23 to 15, and wider for 27, 22 to 20. So we're talking like, uh, you know, really a tunnel that personally I don't think is, you know, adequate for a such important connection. And I perfectly understand about, you know, the, the cost implication, but I think that, you know, definitely the connection should be, you know, strengthened more than, uh, you know, reduced. So have you, the question to you is, have you run this by the community? and uh, checked what their opinion is on having this long uh, tunnel at that location? So your point is if uh, we reduce that the uh, current proposed length um, is more uh, acceptable, is that your point? But you're going from what is now 60 feet to 120, so almost twice as much, you know, in the dark. And, uh, you know, there was much more open, there's you no know, continuous tunnel. The fact also that was not the straight walls actually helps if you think about that. Psychologists have got an article 
right here. So if you have something that is you know pointing, that decreases the perception of the tunnel. You know, if it's something you know long and, and parallel, the tunnel has a certain point. But because how it was you know designed also gave a different perception of not having to cross such a long yeah, time, 60 feet, right. but maybe having to cross 50 feet. That's right. So, but now we are crossing 120. Mm. So the question is, what does the community think about this connection in, in this way? Not only from the, the design, now let's keep the design one second, you mm. know, aesthetic way, but the idea of uh, having to go through a tunnel so narrow, yeah. so long, into connecting these two important pieces of this sort of city. I think it's an excellent point in terms of the, the perception as you enter the one end of and going towards the other one. Probably you see some bridge there. Right. Uh, I think we need uh, uh, we need to consider definitely uh, on, on the factor, but the uh, since this is conceptual design stage, problem is the not problem. The, uh, there are a lot of room that we can adjust the, the length. or something uh, different by put the LED light. Um, I'm a bridge engineer and I watch the so fascinating bridges around the whole world uh, by using the uh, LED light. Uh, not just the one color. So it can be, there are many uh, different options to reduce that the uh, little closed field, uh, such a long distance. So. That is uh, my next stage uh, for the, the final design. So I will fully uh, consider your good point. <laughs> but the question was also, do you run this by the community to understand that their feedback? We, have, we, we have not yet. Okay. Is it in uh, we, we, we will do have to do community outreach because it's federally required with the federal funds. Yeah, it is mandatory to have the Input definitely. So for that meeting, we might have to put a little more presentation regarding that uh, in relation to that. But again, this is a conceptual stage. Just keep in mind that this is not final stage. On the topic of community engagement, there is a, a body convened by the city that is overseeing the, the Shaco small area plans called the Shaco Alliance. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are a lot of historic preservationists on that body, um, and they've also been very tied into the what's going on at the heritage site. And so I think that that would be a good uh, a good group of people yeah. for you to come present to and get some feedback before it moves forward. As would Dolores McQuinn and the Slave Trail Commission. Yeah, and Ms. McQuinn is on the alliance as well. Yeah. Yeah. I sort of have some structural questions yes. that maybe might set us up for some I feel, I feel com more comfortable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so sort of quickly, this is cast in place, correct? Uh, there is two different options. Cast, uh -huh. cast in place, it has a pro and cons. Uh -huh. And precast unit is a not, I mean, it, it is an another option, uh, depending on the, the construction uh, network. But okay. cast in place is right now. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're infilling between a new arch structure and an existing bridge. 
bridge is no longer acting as a structure. It's going to be resting on fill that you're going to somehow put between the yes, arch. The bridge and the will be the, bridge. the existing one will be cut and removed, and there will be backfill okay. with a non-compressible material such as a, you know, six fifty-seven stones or flowable concrete. Okay, and you talked about an advantage being the shallow footings. It looks to me like you're still going to have to rip out the entire walkway under there, right? Can you build it? Show me that. Yeah, show dur that. During construction, all of those stones and, and the granite will come out, and then they'll okay. be put with that. Yes. And then what, what is dictating the shape and size of the structure? Are you as close to the historic as you can be? Um, without without knowing, the, we did have the advantage of having the, uh, amazingly, the design drawings for the original bridge. But there's not a lot of information about what is below grade. That, that's pretty much what we have. So as part of the construction, we don't want to undermine the existing structure because it will be in, in service. So we got we tried to make get a balance between what we felt we could not un, un, undermine the existing structure and actually construct it. But you can go excavate and see where the footing is. Perhaps. I mean, we, we, we could test one spot, but you know, things were a lot different years ago they may have done something different on one side than, than the other or what you know so we would never know for sure but once it's backfilled those those load those walls will have no no load on them at all so it's the footing location and the desire to not undermine the existing structure that has you pulled it that far correct yeah and you can't pull your structure to the absolute outermost edges of the footings well like the, those little dashed lines there below the footings is what we would have to Roughly have have to dig out in order to put in those those footings. Uh -huh. So if we got closer to it, then we would start to undermine the existing foundation. And the same with the top. Is it as tall as it can be? It can go taller. As Tom mentioned, we have a water line that's going to be buried. So we're also balancing their their requirement for their cover over their water line that will be running along Broad Street up top. Okay. So quick answer is yes, but. In the, in the magnitude of a few feet, not uh, all the way up to the top. All right, two more. Mm -hmm. um, Please. What, what is the flat arch? Why is that not just an arch? Oh, it, it can be arch. It could be, yeah. It could be a run. Yeah, this is arch. conceptual. Okay, so. And then the last one is, so you've brought it out a certain distance beyond the existing bridge so that you're basically also using it as So what is determining that distance? Because it, it didn't come all the way out. We we kept a, um, I'm not a road, roadway guy, but we, we kept the acceptable slope that you could put behind the guardrail that we have up top coming down and match the existing slopes on either side. And that's what that's what led us to that length. Uh, in the, in the, in the rendering. Should, can you go to the rendering? Yeah, if you go to rendering, you go to where the car is, or the two of the car, yeah. So that we, we were matching that existing slope on either side of uh, the bridge. So that's simply where the section profile that you've used for the tunnel intersects the slope. Yep. So uh, in order to reduce the total tunnel length, that's the uh, critical question, um, like Mr. Pearson, Pearson, Mr. Yep. Pearson, Pearson mentioned. Um, believe it or not, this is my first time to stand in front of <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and I didn't mean to drill you. I guess I'm just trying to understand: can we make it taller? Can we make it wider? Can we make it shorter? Yeah. Uh, what that, are the that was a, our initial question. If that is the uh, uh, the largest structure that we can we can come up with, but I think the uh, we can reduce the length, uh, but it will have that the more vertical uh, headwall yeah. to retain. So it's structurally a little challenging for that. Uh, so there is a pro and cons, but I definitely think about the idea how to reduce the, the tunnel length as much. So we'll come up with a certain uh, idea. On, on the idea for extending the length, though, was to decrease the reliance on those existing new walls. I understood that, too. I, I guess I was just wondering why it didn't go all the way, right? Oh, you mean even you lo longer? But your slope question. Your slope yeah, the, the answer, slope, the slope back us into that, and then it left left off with a little bit of the wall exposed that we thought was, was a nice feature there as well that we, we were comfortable with. Um, I, I'm picking up, I think, on the same things you are. I think having it be a true arch is important because it can read as historical or contemporary, mm. and this shape to me reads normally municipal. Um, and then the slope coming out, like I think the blank wall, if the, if the museum wants that, sure, but like right now to me it looks like you just chopped it off and I would rather the sides, the full thickness of that concrete wall come down as much as possible um, so that the tunnel is recessed yeah. in it, which yeah. just gives it a grander yeah. opening. And That's then right. for in terms of the length, I don't necessarily have an issue with elongating it, especially if the museum can add materials. Um, there's a, are you familiar with the road to nowhere in Bryson City? It's a extremely long tunnel and it led to a community that was flooded when they built the dam and it's turned into a kind of a memorial site for all the communities and cemeteries that were drowned wow. in that reservoir. But it's like 300 feet long and it's like eerie in a way that actually sets you up for the memorial. Sure. The road to nowhere in Bryson City. Bryson City. Yeah. City. Yeah. It's in, no, it's in North Carolina. Um, it's in the Smokies. Okay. But it it's run down. It doesn't look good. It wasn't intended it's to right. be that way. But um, I think there is a way with community engagement and involvement to take advantage of what you guys are doing, which is a great solution sure. to not disrupt traffic mm -hmm. and still make it um, atmospherically mm -hmm. compelling. Yeah. As a matter of fact, my middle name become Arch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nail Bridge, you heard about it, right? Yeah. Uh, Follow-up question to that, I guess. Did I hear you say earlier that there's a another phase or something where the museum will be applying cladding or something to this or a facade? No, no. We're leaving it open so the community can do whatever to it. What is whatever? I mean, there's this like who's paying for what? I don't understand what that means. I mean, there's uh, have been uh, at seeking permission to put art on the on the chaining walls and stuff. Again, that that yeah, putting something on on, on the structure um, will definitely coordinate with all city uh, stakeholders, um, including that the uh, new project and uh, definitely the. Even before final, also. Uh, but uh, again, that I'm pretty sure it will um, iterate 
how we finished that. And Arch, definitely, I can make it. Yeah. I mean, there's I guess, no problem with that. I guess I would say, as an observation, that we have an urban infrastructure project here, and it, there's an obligation to do a little bit more than have it just be infrastructure. And the design, the way it's set up right now, basically we've created a facade. We've created an architecture. Except it's not really detailed. Even if that was like a train tunnel, you would expect to see a facade. You'd see masonry, you'd see arch, you'd have a keystone, you'd say roofs and on top of it. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily appropriate to recreate fictional historical character, but there's I guess my, my general comment is there's nothing exactly. except infrastructure. Yeah, I cannot accept to that one um, with this. So I, when I say accept means that I, it is just conceptual. How are we going to replace this? The details how to finish will be developed in the future. 30%, 60%, 90%. And that comes back to us again for you again? or Sure. sure. So what are we approving today? Just concept. 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 Yes. Basically, are we going to replace this bridge in kind, or is it acceptable to do that, the tunnel structure to save that the uh, uh, construction uh, period as well as the, the uh, uh, eliminate the uh, uncertainties uh, of the uh, 11, uh, under the 11 year old structure. And time and money being the primary arguments for this package, correct? Time, time more than money. Now, to me, it's the uh, balance. Yeah. yeah, it is. Because we tried to uh, save the cobblestone. It was one time. I think that you can imagine that the DPU put the stormwater pipe underneath this tunnel. So I believe it was disturbed a huge many, many decades ago. They put the new cobblestone, which I believe they did. Uh, so basically, uh, today, uh, our, uh, the purpose of this meeting is uh, to you know, accept this conceptual um, plan to replace that 111 year old structure. I, I just have one final little comment. I know that yeah. this is just conceptual, but I think that the, the little long strip of there is a concept of this um, concept plan was not that that's going to be one little mode strip right there. I think that was just, instead of just giving, nothing, picking plants or whatever, just showing that it's, it is a slope there. That yeah, was, that was the limit of, yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think uh, uh, the, uh, the follow-up to your question, uh, uh, asking uh, the applicant if, uh, you know, or have you considered of adding a connection since we are doing this work from Broad Street to both ends with some sort of stairs. Because when I walk in the Broad Street, you know, it's although it's not very long the stretch, but feels very very long, especially in summertime, and uh, you know, feels 
not taught and uh, you know or you have to go all the way down another 150 feet make some little steps and then come back so even at the burial there's not really be a connection except for this and uh, an entrance at the end of the slope of Broad Street. So is there an opportunity here, since we're doing some more work, maybe to create two connections, one on this side and one on the other side, in order to you know, shorten this distance and enhance walkability of Broad Street? That sounds like a good idea, but a little beyond this original scope or original placement. So probably is it, is it? Yeah, and the other challenge is how to make it wheelchair accessible. Well, yeah, you know, right now that's not even, you know, you have to go even further yeah. out. I understand yeah, that, that, you yeah. know, but still, you know, a... a it, it wouldn't be stairs, it, it would well, be a ramp. you know, we can look at that, but, you know, I think that the connection is always better than nothing. I understand, you know, oh, that there's a problem. So you there is still a connection at the bottom for ADA, but still it will be helpful for people, you know, to enable uh, to shorten this, you know, length so and still a better connection. Your suggestion is stairway along that would be a slope, is that right? A, a pedestrian connection along A pedestrian connection, something that connects the, the broad street to, you know, a series of stairs, or mm. that could just be stairs, it cannot be a ramp at this level, but the ramp connection will be still at the bottom, but you're having something of value in a pedestrian who are, you know, walking along the Broad Street. <sighs> no. <laughs> no, I know, but, but since we're doing yeah. some work in here, you know, I think we need to improve it and make it right. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, adding stairways, uh, I don't know, uh, because we already have the $3.9 million secured from the federal, and that requires uh, um, requesting additional funds. And I will delay this process again. Time is kind of a little uh, not our friend, as the Brita already started the complete structure uh, replacement. So I don't know. Um, it would be well, would be well worth talking to the community yeah, for yeah, this dialogue yeah, yeah, and see how they feel yeah, about uh, accessibility. Mm -hmm. I'll bring that sites. one in, in our DPW internal discussion. I think it's very very. I never thought about the access to the site. The added benefit of putting stairs on both sides yeah. is that it's very hard to cross Broad Street when yeah. you're when you're up there. Mm -hmm. And if you put stairs on both sides, you can come down, mm -hmm. go down, come back to the other side, mm -hmm. and not have to run across four yeah. lanes of twenty nine thousand eighty two. There's actually a, there's, oh, I'm so sorry. There, there's actually a, a new park pedestrian crossing going on above there to help with that crossing above. That's good. So the last thing I want to add, just for the, I would like to see what the lighting proposed is. I think it's correct to line it, but I think the character of the lighting is also important. Yes. So that'll be in the next round. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so a long uh, series of questions. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Yeah. <laughs> Let's uh, go to the public. Uh, is anyone uh, online or sitting here that would like to make any comment? There was one person who had their hand raised. I saw that. Yeah, and I do. Yeah, so if you are online and would like to comment, just raise your hand. I know we have somebody before.
Maybe I don't want to be answered. Yeah, that's possible. I'm asking. My question was responded. Thank you. Thank you. Please take your thing out, but it's not small. But I'm Okay, then at this point, let's go back to the committee. Thank you very much again. Is there a motion in a second? Yes, yes. I, I, I just got to say, Oscar Wilde once said that some know the price of everything and the value of nothing. And I would ask that money not I think we're out of balance here in this concept. I'm sorry. So do you have a motion to suggest? I, I make a motion that we not accept, not approve the, the plans as, as submitted. I second that. So let's open the discussion. Personally, I think that, you know, again, this is an important connection to two historic sites. And I understand value money, but that should not drive, I think, this important pieces, piece of you know, uh, infrastructure. I mean, it's going to be pedestrian, it's going to double up the length to 120 feet from 66, and already feels like a Richmond feeling. But I cannot imagine something that it's, you know, 20 feet, that it's, uh, I mean, what's this, it's probably 11 or 12, uh, probably even more. And then uh, 20 foot wide and 120 feet long as a meaningful connection uh, for two important historic sites. And I perfectly understand again about money, about the time, and everything. But this, to me, would be a lost opportunity. So that's my thing. And plus, the, again, the opportunity to create more connections from Broad Street down to, again, the burial site. If you think about the burial site, only as this connection, and then a connection on Broad Street right in front of the end of the slope. And that's completely then enclosed. So there's no really way to get there. And uh, especially when the museum is going to be there, I mean, that should be, you know, a better connection uh, in general. That's my comment. Question for staff. What happens if the committee approves a recommendation to deny the application? I was just thinking about that because I'm just kind of jumping in here. Uh, I don't know if Matthew, you know, can they, do they have to come back to the committee if they want to replace it? Um, I'm not, I'm just not familiar. It could be deferral in the sense that it's, uh, you know, we want to have a connection there, but we don't think that the current design is appropriate, so they need to come back completely with a new option. <coughs> That's not that the concept of the tunnel is not approved, it's the concept of how the tunnel is designed. That is approved. That's, I think, how it is. Yeah, you could defer, yeah. yeah, they could come back with a different, if you deny yeah. it, they'll have to come back, I believe, whatever their next proposal is. If you defer it, they could come back without going through the whole application process again with a new design. Could we, and we've done this before on other projects, have a subcommittee that meets with the team to help expedite your concept phase so that if you did keep the structural concept 
but needed, you, you know, community engagement, but also could fast track a little bit with the UDC of people to help get the design. Because right, if we said yes, we would be trusting that from concept to design development, you're going to nail the way it looks. Um, so then if we could help with that, would you be open to that? Can I, can I mention on, on, on that? Or am I allowed to say anything on, on her comment? Uh, you should not, but if you all agree, we can uh, <laughs> answer. It's a discussion of the community. Uh, you're the chair. You get to yeah. say <laughs> I can decide. Yes, please. <laughs> I think if, if, if that is possible, that will save everybody's time tremendously. Again, time is very critical for this one. If we are looking for that, that will give us more opportunity to do more. Um, so uh, if there is anything that we can, we can, I mean, I am very flexible and has a lot of design consideration, <coughs> believe it or not, before we came to this uh, position. So we, we love to uh, receive your comment and feedback uh, with a smaller group if they do want. Thank you. Let's my question to the committee is it looks like you know that what we are seeing is a kind of a maximized design to go with that type of budget and the type of you know, that's something that can be done looking around you know shortening a little bit maybe creating you know some lighting that we need to talk about but that doesn't take away from uh, you know increasing the size and creating the shorter one, uh, or at least even to match what is there. That's completely different design, completely different budget, and completely different time. So I think what we are deciding today is if, you know, denying it probably is, you know, going to completely different route of you know, budget, finance, etc. So well, correct me if I'm wrong, but planning may reject our ruling anyways, right? Yes, they can reject So would it not be more constructive for us to offer a way to make it better than to just no. flat out deny? Yeah, if I could add some clarity. Yes. So you have several <coughs> options if you're not comfortable with being able to address your concerns through sufficient comments, and you want some modified plans before you can defer or continue for 30 days, meet with a subcommittee of, I don't know, more than two members, and then changes are possible from that discussion and then at that point we have uh, more of a comfort level recommend approval with certain specific conditions um, I believe that probably would be more effective than just an outright denial or recommendation of approval where there's too many conditions that, that lead to many questions so. that could be a route uh, that doesn't say that again I think we're kind of limiting the way Deny, uh, would it be deny or referral? Uh, it would be the deny. Deny. Yeah. 
So I deny uh, the design as currently presented. As presented. Okay. Let's go for a vote. Hi, Mark. Motion to defer for 30 days. Okay. And uh, I guess establish uh, or identify two committee members that work with the team uh, constructively to refine the, the design. I'll second. Can I identify the, yeah. the So we have a motion uh, by Mr. Boyd, as that was you, Mr. Doyle, to defer for 30 days and to create a subcommittee that is uh, made of uh, um, Jesse Gammer and uh, Charles Woodson uh, to work with the... John um, uh, Kemp. <laughs> the applicant to come up with another you know, design and to report to the, uh, the next uh, Yes, should we take advantage of the What's protocol? Are we just going to go until the cows come home? Or what, what are we doing? Are we I past time? Again, you guys are out of time. No idea. Sorry. <laughs> You're doing a great job, though. Thank you so yes. much, Alice. It just runs over. It's, it's not prepared for the monument one, but an hour and a half. I mean, it's great. But then he's like, oh, my story now. We only do more of it. It's not just one. Okay. You know, this is such an important area. I will say there was a community effort to plant trees uh, on the burial ground side. The community, children, elders, everybody came out to plant trees, but there was no irrigation. There was no water, and they died. And I went down there, and I saw these dead trees, and, and then someone told me what had happened. And I contacted Ms. McQuinn and, uh, and the mayor's office, you know, two weeks later, there was irrigation there. It, it is irrigated now. Um, it's an extraordinary area. Um, I have a question, General. How does the community, for the community to be engaged in, you know, how are our efforts to work with the applicant going to play with the community? Because I think the community would have to say something about it. Absolutely. And I think that the... the Delegate McQuinn would be uh, our contact there. Um, absolutely. 
because it's a cohesive community. I mean, it's not like we have this beautiful historic bridge you've ever seen that was one of the four tons of money to it. It is a extremely important historic site. It does need to be beautiful. It does need to be beautiful. But it loses all that. Because it's connection yeah. needs to be accessible. Uh, and yes. it needs to be, you know, people need, need to know that it's there. Yes. So because of right now, you know, when a crossing driving or walking, people don't realize that it's something very important, yeah. uh, unless you know it. And at the same time, when they're driving, they mourn. Without trees, even, you know, that are <laughs> creating this barrier, visual barrier. So there's absolutely no way to understand what happened there. Unless people had some sort of, you know, uh, guide. There is a historic marker. There is a historic marker, sure. But, you know, it's, it's difficult. I just wish y'all could have seen this performance, dance performance of. Uh, were you? Wasn't it incredible? I cried for three days. You know, uh, it was it was so moving. And I wish they would do it again. Do you know who the artist was? Uh, yeah, uh, M M J. It was a, it was a University of Richmond funded, but uh, uh, M K Abadu M K Abadu was the choreographer and it was produced by Alicia Diaz. And it was a performance piece specifically for that site. We started to like cry. So. Okay, so we have everybody back. Should we go ahead with number four? Yes.
I'm with the Friends of James River Park. We're the primary nonprofit support group for the James River Park system. We work really tightly with superintendent and park staff. Um, this project was identified, um, I started in July as our sort of first full-time employee, and uh, this is one of the early projects that was identified. We found a funder for it. We started getting down the road. Um, and with the switchover in superintendents, it was with Giles Garrison, who's the new superintendent, who used to be on this committee, uh, wanted to make sure that the committee um, saw the signs, and so we sort of paused our design work. Uh, we we're at maybe 90% way through the design. There's a few custom graphics we're still working on, so if you looked at all of the signs as designed in the application, you can see there's some placeholder images um, for things like the, doing a, a graphic about eddies around first break rapids so that we can really show scientifically like what people are looking at as they look out there. And Some of those custom pieces are still being developed, so that's why there were some placeholders. But yeah, the, the existing signage is a hodgepodge of stuff that's been put up over the course of 40 years, or however long it's been since those first signs went out. This is the, this year's the 50th anniversary of the park, but Belle Isle didn't become part of the park until much later. Um, but they don't match. Some were put up by the Civil War Museum, some were put up by park staff, some were put up by Ralph White, just sort of randomly around. Um, so there's a legacy there that we're dealing with. And the desire with, with this is to be able to use uh, these colors, this sort of template that we developed in this process for all other interpretive signage across the James River Park system. Um, so that, because currently there is no sort of guideline, no, no brand standards for the city, uh, for Parks and Rec, for what interpretive signs need to look like. So the hope is we can come out of this with something we can work with and whenever we're doing a new interpretive sign or replacing existing ones that look similar across the James River Park system. Uh, I believe Parks and Rec also would like to use, the, use this same pattern and scheme in other parks as well, sort of as we develop a standard. Um, so that's just where we're at in the, in the process. I optimistically thought I was gonna have this done in uh, December, um, but we're, we're getting close now, I feel like, so I'm, I'm totally open to whatever suggestions. We're really a friend of Danger Park. We're just driving the train, making sure the project gets completed because we were the ones paying for it. Um, the signs themselves were written by city staff, uh, education staff at JRPS, uh, approved by the, the park superintendent. They've been seen by the director of Parks and Rec. The color scheme was picked out by the director of Parks and Recreation. So really the design elements came to us from our friends at the city and we're just helping shuttle this project through um, through this process. Thank you very much. Do we have some questions? Who is the graphic designer? Uh, we work with Rocket Pop Media. Okay. Uh, they're the graphic design firm that Friends of James River Park keeps on retainer. Did somebody say, are the posts painted or raw or? Uh, that is, uh, we, we are happy to paint or stain or whatever your recommendation is. Um, we have um, our own carpenters that will be building the signpost and I was going to kind of lean on their recommendations for for, um, for what that looks like, but I'm also happy to. It's pressure treated. It'll be pressure treated, yeah, outdoor lumber. Um, what's the material makeup of the sign itself? The signs will be uh, aluminum. And it's, and it's painted? Yeah, so they'll be it'll be painted on, and then over top of that will be a UV protected coating. Will the coating have like graffiti removal? That's the plan. There's a couple of different options. I can't say what specific product we're going to go with, but we will. Um, what the sign makers have told me is that they'll be able to do a UV coating that also is easily cleaned. There, we may need to do an additional spray of something on top of that. We, we work have a handful of different graffiti uh, coating products that we use for projects in the park. We know they're going to get vandalized. That's <laughs> Part of this is these signs are relatively inexpensive. 
they're two or three hundred dollars each time once we have the design work all done. So like we can also plan to replace them as as if we need to. Uh, we don't want to do that, but that's sort of you know uh, this is a a sort of um, sort of slimmed down version of the interpretive design process where we normally work, look at museums and parks and things and you're talking thousands of dollars per sign. We really wanted something that we can deliver uh, and replace if we have to and it's gonna be cheap, cheapish to maintain. So um, we are under no illusions that these will not immediately get spray painted. So um, that's one of the challenges with Belle Isle. <laughs> I've got a few questions. Um, some of them are design comments. The I would ask that all of the signs be standardized, so like the title on one is much higher than the title on the other, and there's a non-standard border around the edges, like just making sure that your template is standard. Well, just, okay. I, I appreciate everything you guys are doing, I'm just giving you my, That's fair. my feedback. And then because the brown is a less beautiful color, which I, I know is subjective, yeah, but they, they um, it. I, I would say that wherever the text is not filled in the box, to keep the brown to the borders of the text. So like on the other ones, you Got have it. a board, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then for the blue border, I'm just, as a personal citizen, it would be really interesting if the, instead of the swirl, like the kind of standard scallop, if they thought about tracing the shoreline of where the sign is. We did talk about that and it didn't in work the design out. process. I, I, it's definitely something, it's just something we left on the table in that process, okay. but it's something I'm, I'm it's, still willing to it do. It just adds another layer of information. Yeah. And then I'm also interested if you guys have at least one sign that is accessible, like either with Braille or sound, or if all of this is for people with... Uh, that's a great question. Okay. Um, that didn't come up at any point. Okay. Um, I would ask that you consider Totally, yeah. That's, that's uh, great. Maybe that's a, a good... Um, I think where we're at with these signs right now is to take us right up to the, the funding for that we have currently, but yeah. it's totally something we can consider um, with, as this process, when they're installed, to, to add that as well. Okay. Yeah, you've got my question as well. Uh, I, I was suggesting at least to have them where they're accessible signs. Yes, that's so when the, the design is is um, accessible from a wheelchair perspective, they are there. We, we, we've designed them with that in mind. I suppose sort of roll up signs in that capacity, but but beyond that, it wasn't discussed. So I, I will make sure that we we consider those. Another good question I have: that Why in Arabica we don't complete from sixteen to eight signs on July? Uh, some of the information on these signs is uh, pretty out of date um, and bad information okay. and inaccurate on, of the existing signs. Um, some of them are repeat signs that where where. They're, they're stuck, and, and some of the signs are also just up in the woods. They're kind of buried signs that nobody sees anyway. Um, I don't think, and I know Bell Isle pretty well, I don't think I could walk out there and find all 16. <laughs> they're, they're not good signs. Um, and they, because they were put in, there was no plan when they were put in, and this is sort of the, the first phase of getting a full interpretive plan for across the Vancouver Park system, um, that the uh, the sort of slimmed down version of this is eight. And, and, I will say also that there may be a ninth sign. We want to, with a welcome to Bell Isle sign might exist at both both entrances to Bell Isle. We may put one on each end, um, and the only difference there is the map would be different. Um, it's got the uh, the U R here would be placed in a different spot, um, but that same sign may may come up twice actually. But um, yeah, just the the full full inventory of existing signs is, um, and really when we counted signs, it was anything that had any sort of marking on it, so they weren't all interpreted. 
typically all of the same size that you see in the retina image? Roughly, yeah, it's a 24 by 36 was, the, uh, was what we're shooting for. And one last question. Um, again, going back to the brown and the white, it's kind of the heat of the range. So, I don't know, just again, in a sense, you're suggesting uh, that uh, changing uh, maybe to what it's written within the black, the brown background to change. Because I think that should change to get it more visible. Maybe I don't know if black would work better. Brown is really too. Uh, so, just do some studies, some experiments. That was one of the staff recommendations. Exactly. Oh, that's one of the staff recommendations. Yeah, the colors, yeah. Okay. Um, and that's something that I, these were based on um, what, what Parks and Rec referred to as the riverfront signage, which uh, may, may be a broader thing. I'm not, I'm not familiar with that terminology, but they kept going back to that. These were colors they pulled off of some other Parks and Rec thing that they did. Um, they also weren't my first choice. I'm happy to tell the designer to do that differently. Uh, no, uh, Chris Young, or Chris um, Krelke and Shamar Young. Oh, great. No, she might, she may. That's, that's, uh, she's with Parks and Rec, yeah. so that makes sense. Uh, yes, we have somebody with Parks and Rec. We've got their name raised, so I think we may have somebody to ask us their Parks and Rec. Yeah, yeah, Deborah, would you like to speak again? Yeah. Uh, um, good afternoon again. It's Deborah Morton, Deputy Director for Parks and Recreation. Thank you, Josh. I know you just started in July, but you've done a yeoman's job of just jumping in with both feet and taking over this project. And, um, I did review the signage and um, the color scheme for the lettering. We went back and forth, back and forth, what would look good, what would look good. So thank you, commissioners, for your, your input on um, what we need to do to brighten it so that people can really see it and read it and be able to read it. And um, as Josh said, we are going to systematically take a look at all of our signage in our parks and try to be consistent in the look, especially our interpretive signage, um, as we start to replace um, signs in the James River Park system. And so um, we will take a look, we will go back and, and um, take your remarks and adjust the signage accordingly. Thank you so much. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. I didn't realize you were on the call still. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I'll just add to what Jesse said a few minutes ago. Consider um, designing them to be bilingual as well. That, that, that did come up, and there was talk about uh, how we do that in sort of limited space on a sign and not, and respecting sort of general uh, guidelines on interpretive signage. I, I don't feel like in anything I've read, there's a, I found a good solution for how to do that yet, but I, I will continue to research and look at that. I, there's talk about adding a QR code that links to a version of the signs in, in different languages. That's an option that was discussed, just popping that on there, you know, Spanish That's a great scan idea. here. Um, we, we use QR codes pretty effectively throughout the park and things like that. So that's, there's precedent for that. The safety signs have have a QR code that links to a site and things like that. So there's um, precedent for that, but I, I, that, that may be our best solution. That would solve some of the hearing or uh, vision impairment too, because if you had braille that said, and like if you know if you have limited and then you scan in there's a recording of the sign too. Okay. Any other questions? Thank you very much, Josh. Thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Okay, so let's go to the committee. Do we have a motion and a second to discuss? No,
Oh, oh sorry, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Is there anyone from the public, maybe they're online or here, who would love to make any comments? I'll make a motion to approve with staff recommendations and include that the applicant consider the universal accessibility of the science and that the um, templates are inspected closely for consistency um, across I just wanted to say I found myself in a in a strange situation in 2005. I was in front of city council getting a Jesse Reynolds award for my work with parks, but I was next to Ralph White, and I felt I looked at him and I said, "Man, I'm a sweet potato in the fishy swass here. I'm, I I don't belong here next to you." And he looked at me. He said two words. He said, interpretive signage. This would make him so, this will make him so very happy. And it makes me so very happy. So thank you for all your work you've done on this. I think this is a, just a great thing for our river and city. Thank you, Yes. Thank you very much. We have such treasure in the city. I mean, the city is the park, so it becomes also way to learn from, you know, what we are enjoying in our nature. I think that's great asset that the town has. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Todd. So any further discussion, except for this uh, wonderful appreciation of uh, our park system? <laughs> well, let's go to the vote then. I'm a board member of Friends of Ginger Park. Gamer? Yes. Pat Buchanan? Yes. Magnardi? Yes. Pearson? Yes. Scalici? Yes. And Woodson? Yes. Alright. Okay, thank you very much again, Josh. Sustainable storm. Okay, let me get to the 
This is how they're actually written out. I'm giving the summary. The sustainable stormwater practices and disaster sustainability features be included with the final submission. That any outdoor lighting is dark sky compliant and sensitive to light pollution. That permeable hardscape materials be provided where appropriate. That existing street trees be protected and replaced if they become damaged during the construction process. The sustainability features be included for the proposed splash pad and pedestrian plaza. That reuse of existing on-site materials be incorporated into the design plan where feasible and that a maintenance plan be submitted during final review. Um, so this recommendations on the screen span two pages. One thing I want to note is anything that has that open circle bullet point, that's something that after we posted the staff report, we learned they are actually doing. Uh, we do not have any problem with continuing to keep those recommendations in because we'll have to come back for final and they are something we want to do just so you know they've already confirmed with us. So they will be taken away from uh, the staff recommendation they can be, or we can keep them in. Um, I, we're not, I'm not necessarily proposing to remove them because nothing better than having a little assurance it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but just so you know, they are. This is already their intention, so we don't like okay. force anybody to do anything. <laughs> so that is what I have. I know the applicant is here. If you have any additional questions. So before we get there, yes. so this is the first time we've seen this project, right? Yes. yes. And, and where are we in the overall approval process? Will this be coming back to us? Yeah, it'll have to come back. This is just considered. So is this like schematic design? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is no, it's not even, I'm sorry, excuse me. Oh. Uh, this is Delia Nivola. I'm from Steinberg Hart. I'm uh, one of the architects working on the project. And it's actually only in master planning. Um, so it's really concept design. It's it's even before schematic. But yes, it will obviously come back to you all. So we're reviewing for character and appropriateness of master planning. Yes. Which does not include building design or does it? Does. It does. Okay, so if the applicant is here, do they want to come and give a presentation? Hello, this is Dex Dagood again with Special Cap Projects Group. I'm the project manager on this uh, master plan. We have here. Uh, Monica with uh, KEI Architects, and on the screen, again, uh, with Steinberg Hart. So I'm going to turn it over to them and really let them take it from here. But any questions you have, for the most part, they're trying to answer those. Okay. Thank you very much. And we also have the actual owners. Yes. Hello, everyone. Um, so I just want to give a brief overview of the project since um, I don't believe anyone here has seen the project yet. Um, okay, can you all see my screen? It shows guiding principles. Yes. Yes. Perfect. Okay, so I just wanted to quickly start with the guiding principles that um, we have generated after speaking with the library committee and with the community. Um, so there are currently five guiding principles, so this is going to um, carry through uh, not just the master plan, but into schematic design and as we move forward through the design process. Um, so one, a true reflection of and resource for all in the Richmond community. This is a project that is intended for the community. Welcoming and inclusive for a broad range of patrons, including out-of-town visitors. 
So the main library is not a very maybe well-known library. And so we are also working to have it um, service the community and the community at large. A transparent and modernized building which maintains its historic beauty while being adaptable for the future. Um, as you may know, the current library um, is wrapped with a sort of 70s uh, era wrapper which has a large colonnade and has uh, a large series of steps raised up to get to the first level of the library. And so we are um, creating more transparency and accessibility to the building by um, demolishing this portion of the building opening it up a little bit, having more glass, and eliminating these steps um, so that there's no barrier to entry, so you would enter on grade. Um, innovative leaders, leader for libraries nationwide. Um, so again, this is sort of the, the larger nation rather than just uh, the city of Richmond, although obviously we care about the city of Richmond the most. Um, sustainably designed for an equitable environment. There were a lot of questions um, and staff recommendations about sustainability. This is clearly one of our guiding principles and is very important to us. And um, as we continue to move through the project, we will um, develop these a little bit better. Right now, we're obviously in a very schematic um, design phase of this, uh, of, of the work. So you, you saw this image before, this is the site plan, oops, this is the site plan and it's showing um, here, this big dashed red line is the property line, you have Franklin Street um, along the right side of the page. <clears throat> and you have this little area with the um, Crozet House, which is not um, part of the library property, so no work will be done there. The uh, dashed black line that cuts through is showing where the existing building to be renovated is going to remain, and then where the uh, existing building will be demolished and a new um, addition with new construction will be built. Um, we have a bunch of different site um, elements. Just for the record, everything outside of the property line is going to remain as is. Um, it, could include improvements. We need to talk to the city about whether any improvements need to be made to the trees and planters that are um, out forward of this. And then we have a splash pad um, fountain that's being included at the corner in order to open up this corner and have um, more of the community feel welcome, children come to the um, library, so on. And then we've um, created this little plaza in the front to make the entry again more accessible. This is all at grade and the entries are on both sides of the, um, the, the little pop out here and it's along Franklin Street. Um, we have some building signage. Um, I'll show another view of the exterior in a minute. Um, we have <clears throat> three new pollinator trees that we're anticipating putting in. Um, uh, flower planter beds, these would be native um, plantings. And then along this side of the, and this is, this is all green space um, and could potentially be uh, utilized for events. And then we also have, sorry, around here, more green space, um, just bringing around to the other side of the building. Right now, it sort of really cuts off and then there's this sort of nasty alley back here. So we wanna improve this area. Um, this existing alley drive will actually uh, approach the book drop 
which will be over here, more or less where it currently is, but it will be improved as well. Um, and then all of this on-grade parking will remain. Um, it'll be maintained, so improved as well. Um, and this existing library garden will remain. No trees will be removed um, at all for any of this. What we will do um, as recommended is to review the um, review the trees just to make sure that they're in good condition and if we need to make any uh, improvements we will do so. Um, I will go to So this is an aerial view. Again, here is um, Franklin, <clears throat> excuse me, and second over on the other side. And first, first in Franklin is where we have this splash pad. Um, and then <clears throat> again, just creating this entry on grade. Right now, the entry is way up here at this um, sort of first level. There's a basement level below this. The basement level that's below this will be um, repurposed and turned into a parking um, garage. So no additional on-grade parking, but there will be parking beneath the building. It's one of the things that the community was very vocal about um, during um, one of our meetings uh, that we had with, with them, and so we responded to that. Um, we also have on the roof a um, event space and roof uh, garden so we've got green roofs up here as well um, and um, <clears throat> sculpture and you know just a space for events to happen on that roof um, if anyone has ever been on that roof which probably you haven't but um, in the future hopefully you'll be able to it's quite the view of um, the city of Richmond so we think that'll be a, a huge benefit and then we also anticipate um, solar uh, or PV panels on the roof. Um, we are striving to be a net zero building. Um, and so everything we do is uh, going to be keeping that in mind. Um, of the staff recommendations, <coughs> I think we have addressed all of them. Um, the only one that we have not addressed is the item that states staff recommends that site design acknowledge the existing GRT stop and include improvements as suggested by the urban design guidelines. This um, stop, I have, I believe, is uh, no longer in use. It's this stop here, so I'll just turn around. That's so here we're on the corner of Franklin and um, Second. And so that's, I believe, the bus stop that we're referring to. And again, I don't believe there's a bus stop here any, anymore. Correct. The, the bus stop actually is no longer in existence. GRTC just haven't removed the signs. That's been about two years ago. Street, this is, do you, is that Franklin Street? Franklin Street, yes. yes. The front of it, yes. So the entire roof and all of these columns are being removed? Uh, the columns are being removed. The roof, not the entire roof. Uh, is it the, entire the roof of the roof? Did it go back to the uh, rendering? Because there's a yeah. condition. So, and the cut section of the remaining and the new. 
So all of this is existing to remain. And basically, there's a colony that we can see. see your screen. Oh, ah. Well, that's silly, isn't it? Hold on a second. Okay. Um, so, okay. So currently, there's a huge colonnade that juts out here, um, which is where this, the steps sort of go up to that level. There's a ramp. And then there's this colonnade here. I'll show an image of the um, existing building in a minute. And so what we're doing is pulling that colonnade off because, again, we feel as though it really um, minimizes the transparency of the building. It creates a lot of um, little areas that you know people can sort of hang out in, and it also is very dark and needs to be sort of all that needs to be renovated. There was an envelope assessment that was done in 2015, and the envelope does have some issues, so we will need to address those as well. Um, but yes, we are going to remove this portion of the building that's um, on sort of the right hand of the page, where now we have this new, um, newly constructed um, library building. And this portion, you can sort of see into the windows, um, is going to be a big community room, like a living room. Um, so essentially, again, trying to really invite people into the space and showing that all are welcome um, at the library. Is the presentation done? Uh, was there any other further clarification you want to make before we start with questions? Actually, game is already starting, but <laughs> it was a presentation clarification. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I guess the I guess the only thing that I would add is that we did have, as I sort of alluded to, community involvement. So we had um, a survey, um, and we had multiple community meetings um, to address the topics from the survey, and then also just to have um, feedback uh, given to us as well. And um, the most recent one was actually in February, I believe. Um, so it was pretty recent, and you know we reviewed everything. The library has everything on their website, and they have allowed people to comment, and they provide responses for those people's comments. And I guess the last thing I'll say is just that, again, this is a master plan, so this is only the beginning. We are going to reach out to the community again when we move to the next phase of um, the work, which we are not doing yet because we don't have the funding. Monica, is there anything you would like to add? Uh, I think you covered it all. Thank you very Next. much for the presentation. Now let's uh, move to questions from the community to the applicant. Ask a question. Um, one of your bullet points was that the new structure maintains its historic beauty. How do you see yourself doing that with the new building? So, so, yeah, good question. So the one thing I actually did not mention, and it's one of the staff uh, recommendations, um, which we, we did respond to, uh, essentially what we're going to do is there are some uh, components within the building on the interior um, that are uh, one might consider historic. It is not on the historic registry or anything like that, but we would um, maintain uh, any of those uh, pieces we would actually remove and salvage and utilize elsewhere in the building um, to show that um, that history. That's, that's more specific to the new building mm -hmm. that's in there right now. Yes. Yeah, that's a question I had. I mean, this is a historic 1930 building designed by Edward Hilton. Mm -hmm. So 
was there and has a, is a very interesting story because you might know that you know Carnegie tried to give money to the city to build a new library of the twice you might all know that uh, building and the city rejected it because one of the conditions of uh, Carnegie was the library was completely free to all not a segregated library and the city you know denied twice you know the acceptance of this money and then this money came from uh, you know another family and uh, they designed this building and the interesting thing is when uh, Baskerville you know designed the new library it pretty much covered up you know so it's kind of it's, uh, I, I think a very interesting political statement you know it's in there but it's covered so the question is uh, uh, that building although has this interesting history I would say you know or has an history and uh, um, was there any consideration in uh, you know making the narrative of the library the history of Richmond as part of uh, you know the building that is in there why is it you know um, was that decided to completely remove the building and not make it part of the narrative that you see do you, you want to answer that? I, yes, I, I can respond. Um, so actually, because we didn't show, um, you know, this is a urban design committee, so we did not show um, some of our interior renderings, but I can show one of those right now. Um, just to answer your question up front, yes, we had many, many, many conversations about this topic, as you can imagine. Um, and so uh, this is where we landed, but I will show you, I will share with you one um, Okay, so this is a, um, a cut through the existing library building. So in other words, this is the, the 70s building that's being renovated, um, not the portion that we're adding. In that um, building, we are adding uh, something called the Richmond Room. This room will house all of that historic data. All of that information will be in here. And so you will have um, plaques, photographs, potentially materials um, from the existing Dooley <coughs> Library um, in this space so that people understand what that history was. But you're not considering maintaining any part of the existing building, like for example, the Marble Hall as a Yes. Sorry, yes, if that wasn't clear. Yes, there are components within the existing Dooley Library, such as the Marble Hall, that we will look to salvage and maintain and put into the new library um, building. So uh, to be clear, you are you know, taking these uh, architectural elements and moving them to this city of Richmond room, right? Correct. The other thing is that most of the Dooley building does not functionally perfectly understand that. <laughs> There's some structural issues that, that sure. need to be fixed that makes that go away. So that's no way anyway to salvage the really portion of it, you know, like in place where it is. It's very difficult to try to do that. They have the stacks that go through that's, you know, antiquated and very much a space hall, and you need that space within the 21st century to do what needs to be done. Yeah, just to elaborate on that, the stacks that are at the center of the Dooley building, um, 
they are, it's basically like an enormous shaft in the middle of the building. And the stacks themselves are a separate structural component. So we can remove the stacks, we can remove that structural component, but then we will still have this enormous shaft of load-bearing um, masonry. So we can't do anything with that. And it's a fire issue as well. So yeah, we would need to rebuild in floors. And I mean, it, it would just be very, very, very difficult and certainly cost prohibitive. I, I just love all the, the gardening and the green space. I would ask that um, with, with all the glass being added, mm -hmm. that you consider that you do use bird-safe glass because um, you're inviting yes. the fellas in and then yeah. that'd be great. Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. We have experience doing that. Cool. I know uh, this is just master plan phase, but you have that uh, section called the first street uh, greenscape area, and it obviously it's just greened out right now, but because mm -hmm. uh, it's got sort of a, a different configuration, I can see it being becoming lost and becoming like a maintenance nightmare, so when you are designing your grounds, that for some thought, like I, I mean, it's a pretty good size, it might be a good seat. Sense of the library idea, I think, is secret. Maybe a little bit more formal or 
form comment. Um, I, I agree. I find the form extremely problematic. And I, I guess I could ask why it's shaped the way it is, but I feel like it's been intentionally designed so that it does not create usable outdoor spaces and functional interior spaces. And I, and I can't understand how what looks to be almost like a Charleston Rampart floor plan is a flexible, inviting library. Kind of agree with you. I mean, that, my question to you is, you know, you have, we're, first of all, let's talk about the setbacks. You know, well, we are in an urban environment. And uh, hopefully this area will be, you know, growing with a new master plan of the area with residential, working there, so hopefully it will become more alive. And usually we think about urban libraries, Seattle, you know, Washington DC and MK, just to name a little bit. Well, the central libraries have a lot of connection to the street. They have maybe separate areas, but they're also very much connected to the street. That means that usually what happens is people walking by see what's happening inside. Those people inside see people are walking on the street. And that creates a sense of security, creates a sense of connection and wondering what the library is and what's happening inside. What I see in here is on Franklin Street, this buffer of green that's not defined as an urban space, but just a green space that I don't think belongs to a public building. In addition to that, these windows you know, don't connect, especially on the side of, uh, not Franklin, but on the second street, there's this plinth in there that creates this huge barrier from uh, what's happening in the library and the street. And I see that you call it like a promenade, and I don't know exactly what it is, but you know, uh, I'd like to invite you to rethink about how the library connects to the street and the street to the library. And if there are public spaces like along Franklin, there are minimal public spaces that can be used by, you know, someone taking a book and waiting for someone else and reading outside, right? And then again, again, I understand that this is uh, all conceptual, but I would invite you to strongly look at how the library is perceived and not as Jesse was saying, you know, this kind of very institutional. If you look at that elevation on Second Street, feels like, you know, like it is now, a barrier, you know, between uh, the open space and it's inside and the outside. And although you are creating, you know, a nice entrance with a lot of glass in there to welcome people, it's not just that moment that connects a library with its surrounding. It's all the greenery all around. So we invite you to look at that. And especially the plinth, I think, is, uh, you know, a big barrier that you need, you know, as you go through to try to resolve that. So that becomes, uh, again, a place for whatever is happening there, but it's connected to the function of the library. In addition to the back, we have this beautiful garden with this beautiful, you know, and then I know that the library does a lot of activities there. I think it would be helpful for the team to think about how this garden is really connected to the library. So it doesn't feel like it is now a city garden. It's not a library garden. You know, it's, uh, it's disconnected. Mm -hmm. So how are you, as, as, as responsibility for, you know, as a design team, is to try to reconnect it because of the urban design, 
requires that the space is used by maybe the public passing by and having lunch, but also by the library, because it's used already by the library. So I invite you to create this kind of connections. Mm -hmm. One other thing that I noticed, and I'd like to ask you why, is uh, um, looking at the floor plan, you have walls, blank walls, going uh, in uh, that direction. Uh, it's difficult to point, but if you go close to the, uh, if you zoom in where the hall is, uh, the, the, sorry, the fountain, these walls that are uh, horizontal, mm -hmm. they're blank, while uh, on the other side, they're glass. Now, Franklin Street is a one-way street right now, but even if it were two-way streets, when people approach on Franklin Street, they see a series of walls and not glass. So if you're talking about inviting, you know, or uh, library, that transparency should be seen when you approach it, not when you're in the front of it. So that's something I would, you know, very, very strongly consider. You know, so the walls, so you see now the wall that it's all glass, but the wall perpendicular to those, mm -hmm. they are blank. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, I would like to invite, and the same thing, you know, this fountain on the corner, I think it's wonderful to have a public space there, mm -hmm. but I would be very careful to have, for example, a splash, you know, plaza, and it's very, very busy corner where kids, kids can run away. So, you know, I would, you know, as an urban design point of view, think about uh, these wonderful features, water, water brings people together, you know, and it brings kids together, and, you know, uh, it's always an amenity that people is drawn to. But they're carefully designed so that, you know, there's no danger for the kids. It becomes, you know, I don't know the character that you're thinking of, but I think I have some problems uh, if it's just a playground for kids right at the corner. So these are a couple of considerations uh, regarding the building. Um, I have some others, but I don't want to monopolize. So I would like to uh, first ask if there are questions, uh, and then I can go on with some of mine. So I keep going, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I care about this building because you know, I live next by, and my daughter always uses it, and you know, so, and, uh, you know, I put there pretty much, pass by at least, almost every other day. But uh, it's a question of sustainability. Mm -hmm. So the first question I'd like to confirm with you is, where is the North Arrow? Because I would like to confirm that the North Arrow is correct in your site plan. Can we go to the site plan? I think it's pointing in the wrong, exactly the opposite direction. North is the corner that goes, yeah. you know, or toward the corner of uh, yeah, it's Second Street. Yes, it goes in that direction, yeah. and the opposite to the uh, project arrow, right? yeah. 90 degrees from each project arrow. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about, okay, so I'm glad to please when you present this to make sure that you know you're at least the north arrow right. <laughs> Because that's very important for sustainability. If you're talking yeah. about sustainability, and if you're looking where you have glass, mm -hmm. you have most of the glass now facing west. Mm -hmm. And the glass facing west is the worst location for glass. Mm -hmm. And although we want to be transparent, mm -hmm. and we want to be open as much as possible, I would encourage you to do some sun studies mm -hmm. and see if, you know, they try to avoid as much as possible the west exposure because it's difficult to control light there, as you probably know. Mm -hmm. 
but you know, concentrate maybe on the north, it's the best, or the south, and consider you know devices like cantilevers in order to do you know different studies to prevent you know any direct sunlight come during summertime because if you want to be sustainable, you don't want to load the uh, you know um, system in order to cool you know <laughs> and uh, and the glass is very important. So I would like you to encourage you that. The other thing I would like to know if you have a list of uh, sustainable, uh, uh, you know, goals uh, for this project because I think they are very important. Okay. Have you developed that? We have not yet. Okay. Um, the only thing that we know is that we want to go to a net zero. Okay. And so we probably so need to change yeah. the, the direction of the solar panels face south and not face you know west, so mm -hmm. we get more of. Yeah. City Core obviously we've got to make it uh, lead silver minimal. Mm -hmm. You know, we can do better than that. We will be doing better than that, but that's the minimum. Another thing. Can, oh, I, sorry. can I add to that just because I had a note about that on your list of priorities? You said sustainably designed for an equi equitable environment, and I was curious what that meant. Exactly. So that's what I was asking. Yeah. Thank you for what it. What it means is that. Sustainability, it needs to be part of education. Um, so this building, because it's for the community, um, we believe that it needs to be very clear and obvious to the community what things are being done in order to make the building sustainable. And so in terms of equitability, we want to make sure that across the board, everyone knows this, and everyone's aware of it, and everyone can participate in in that. So, Are you going sort to follow of the AAA guidelines for design? You know, I'm sorry, I missed that question. Are you going to follow the AAA guidelines for better design uh, as also a principle? You know, it talks about community, talks about, you know, sustainability. Yes. Okay, fantastic. And uh, another, um, oh, so sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, I have to I have to leave. And there's, I don't think we're getting close to a vote, so I'm gonna miss the vote, but I would just, this sounds like maybe a, a two-person working group would be a good um, step forward. So that, that's my recommendation to the committee. Well, Thank you, Andy. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> so another thing that I would like to encourage when we talk about public space, is uh, not only look at trees as ways, you know, to provide some shading, mm -hmm. but maybe structures that, you know, again, ties into the existing building, mm -hmm. especially, you know, on uh, the west portion of, uh, all around mm -hmm. in general, to provide, uh, especially along Greek Street. Mm -hmm. I think it needs to be, you know, addressed uh, that. And uh, the, um, the Green Book is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing it. But again, please consider some uh, shading in the way. I don't know if you have been to the newly renovated MLK Library in Washington, D.C., the Central Library, they have a new green book. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's fantastic because you have the view of the city like we were having here, and it would be such phenomenal thing. But also they provided canopies and ways, you know, to provide different, you know, ways of being there during different times of the day. And I think that's something I would strictly, you know, recommend to look at, so that it doesn't become, you know, this kind of uh, cold or hot, you know, or uh, 
environment as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that's. I guess uh, it seems like there are just major comments. So how do we move forward? Like well, let's finish with the, with, the, with the questions, with yeah. the questions, and then we can discuss as a committee. Is there any other question? Uh, then I will make just one last quick one. It's about surveillance as cultural uh, element. Mm -hmm. You know, I would consider you know, when you design the plaza, mm -hmm. to maybe integrate the sculptural element with the water, etc., and expand a little bit <coughs> the plaza, because it feels like there's, you know, the water fountain, that is an element, and there's this uh, entrance, this paving, maybe that, because it's a public plaza, it's the main city plaza, it's the main part, probably, you know, or public space in the old area, to consider them holistically, how sculpture works with water, works with shading, works in the corner. So from the urban point of view, really invest in that wonderful amenity where people can use and happy to. Right. And we do have a small project, so it's not being done right Yeah. So I'm sorry. I <laughs> That's great. So if there are no more questions, at my friends, you know, the outdoor space plaza being divided. Oh, yeah. So, at that point, let's go. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Let's go with the comments from uh, the public. I do not stand in line. And we wore them out. I mean, this is a conceptual plan. I think it's important to talk okay. about comments. So at that point, let's close public comment and let's go to the committee. Sorry, you must be exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> is there a motion and a second to start the conversation? Can I move we discuss without moving for a I guess the purview of our committee is um, character, so I, I guess this one falls right in. I don't think, I guess let's just say one more thing, it could be modern, yeah. um, and so it's not that we have a historic building with a modern addition. Um, I, I just feel like what was there is not as good as it used to be.
So you can just adjust motion that to a, well that's right, I guess I don't understand how we can help guide the, the future of this other than just denying the application. Like, should we workshop this? I mean that seems like a, I, I would rather the designers come back to us. <coughs> In some way kind of agree. I mean how can we help? I mean we are not here to design that and uh, there's a lot of uh, you know, questions I would not be I would not be proud riding to Richmond with my outcome that this is all I'd be just like, what is it? It is. So um, so because we're at the very beginning of the design phase and I think we're all thrilled at the idea of a library um, fix and addition, is there a way to I mean this is the master plan that's been submitted for approval. And, oh God, I don't know. I'm trying to find a way to approve the concept of the master plan and the elements that we've looked at in terms of community access, at, like all of the kind of core elements without approving the aesthetic. I could approve the bulleted list. Um, I mean, even at a master plan level, I feel like the choice of chopping off the northwest corner is questionable. Like if you're just I'm sorry, would it be okay if I spoke? Um, um, so, I, uh, I think sorry. it was... Let's, sorry, let's first finish the discussion and then maybe we can get back to you. Okay. So our options are either deny, delay with the subcommittee, or approve. And I don't think we have the votes to approve. Um, so would anyone want to consider moving forward with the subcommittee to talk through, you know, like go more in depth with your list or? Um, well, uh, I guess I don't feel like we're being paid to design this building. Well, you can also just defer and ask for it to come back to the subcommittee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I feel like you can get somebody to the subcommittee. Okay. Could we, how can we best give that? I know we just had questions, but it would be great to, to make sure that the list of what this committee specifically is tasked to do, because obviously we'll all have opinions, but like what's in our purview that we will be looking for in the next submission? I don't know if we could do that now, because I feel like that might take some time. Well, this is all recording, correct? Okay. So the committees should also okay. count as a guideline. Yes, yeah, so we'll go back with the minutes of what was discussed as well as the recordings available. Um, as far as As far as guidance for the applicant, they they all have access to all of the everything discussed within. Unless we feel that we you know want to be more specific and include them in the referral uh, motion. Um, yeah. So the point of the deferral would be a way for us to approve it in a month. To have them have a completely different, you know, design that would address, you know, all our concerns that were discussed today, or some of these concerns, and suggest something completely different, something that you know all addresses these issues. I that I cannot imagine that's possible. 
I think the bridge, you know, for 30 days, yes. But I, there's no way. Um, and it, it looks like the, we're not looking at interior. The interior looks lovely. Um, and I know a lot of work has gone into that. So is there a way to defer for longer than 30 days? I know we don't want to hold up the process, but I think they do need time to pick what they've done that works well and modulate it. Can you get a deferred for 20 days? Can it be longer? Uh, it can be longer, but I believe it's valuable to include that in the applicant's text to what would be a, a reasonable fee. Well, do you want to ask this to the applicant and yes. ask also if they have any comments? Uh, sorry, you're allowed now to talk. <laughs> so, um, the only thing I was going to say is that we, I don't know what the process would be. Um, I don't know what the process would be in terms of ordinarily what you would do at this point. But my suggestion is that you know we're going to do a schematic design for this project. As the schematic design um, phase, if we could resubmit then for concept um, again, I would that that seems appropriate to me. Um, you know we've completed the master plan, so. When we get to the next phase, we can resubmit for this again, but that will not be in 30 days. Thank you. Well, I don't know, but yes. sure, uh, please go ahead. Uh, Good afternoon, Scott Beierstein, Director of Richmond Public Library. Um, I just want to make a comment about uh, this is we are definitely in conceptual design. All the questions and concerns you guys have brought up. Uh, we're hearing it as well. Uh, we have really done our best to, uh, over this process, the last 18 months, hear from the community. The concept you see before you is bold. It has elements of it that uh, we will take into the next phase, the schematic design, where we address things like north facing, getting to net zero. I would like to see us get to net positive, be the first net positive building in the state of Virginia. Um, there are pieces about this that I think are shocking to a lot of our users in that the concept of a, cent of a library from the last century was book-focused. We were a warehouse for books and a distribution site for books. Libraries in the 21st century are about people. So the concepts in this version that you see reflect that. Um, at the end of the day, it's going to have variations of this, it probably won't look exactly like this because in the next phase it will it will take on different perspectives. We'll incorporate what you're saying about the west facing windows and all of those things. And the this the your whole point about the vistas from Franklin to Main Street. Absolutely. I mean that is one of the unique features of the 72 building. In reality, the 28 building died when the 72 building got wrapped around it. It unfortunately just disappeared. And there are elements of that building that are fabulous, and we are going to do everything we can to save those heritage elements. And you're absolutely correct. Our library is 100 years old, and we were a witness and a partner to some of the most wonderful things in Richmond and some of the awful things in Richmond. And you see that equity, diversity, and inclusion is a front and center issue with this because we were a building 
like the train station, there was a separate entrance for African Americans. That got covered up in 72. Um, the, the whole process of desegregation, the whole history, I could, we could go into that for a long time, and that needs to be presented here. This concept helps us turn the page on that chapter, and it presents a bold, refreshing, innovative thing. It answers many of the concerns that were identified in 2009 when Mayor Wilder said, city of the future. That's when we did a, the beginning of this facilities master plan. And phase one was we looked at all of the buildings in the city of Richmond, and we had to do some maintenance. We had to do some cleanup. We had to make those buildings more welcome because, again, they were buildings of the last century centered around the book but not focused on people. So this vision moves us to those concepts. It's not perfect right now. We know that. Um, we are going to accept more feedback. We, your feedback has been amazing today, and we're going to hear more from our boards and our friends and our foundation. Um, but this is this is a long task, and this is you know, if this were uh, from A to Z, uh, we'd be at like letter H. We're we're, we're not calling we're not calling the dump trucks to come and start tearing things down. But yeah, I mean it was shocking to me because one of the big issues in the original RFP was. How do we make these two buildings, this 28 to 72 building, have a conversation? Right now, they're not talking together well. There's different elevations. There's this book warehouse that's really, literally like a chimney. If I had a fire in that, it would burn to the ground. And I'll point to the LA fire that happened in the early 90s that destroyed a half a million books and closed that library for three years. So when we kind of had this aha moment about pulling down what was left of the Dooley building, it made everything kind of come together. So that, that's where this reflects. The picture isn't quite where we want it, maybe, um, but it is a vision, and a lot of, we're getting a lot of positive feedback. So I, I just give that to you in that regard, and we are going to continue to work on this process. We will hone it, and during the next phase, we will come back to you with something that I think you can get behind. I mean, to me, yeah, I agree with you. The front facade and the steps, yeah, that was that's a thing, right? New York Public Library, the Lions. Um, this library isn't that. It never was that. Um, and I think it's really important that we do this, that we, we move forward in such a way that eliminates those barriers. You talked about barriers a lot during, your, during this discussion. This plan removes many of those barriers. Pulling that front facade off and bringing the entrance down to the street, that makes it more welcoming and open and says to everyone, there's no more side entrance for you all. Everyone is welcome in this space. So I just want to leave you with that. I want you to consider that because you brought up a lot of points that we, we didn't have the time to really tell you in our application or really relay it here. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I also do want to, like, one point of order before we continue discussions. Keep in mind that, I, and you guys have mentioned you're not, you're not in charge of designing the building, uh, but that we're evaluating it against the guidelines that we have. So I think that Scott made a good point. I mean, there are a lot of values in what we're seeing. Uh, the problem is that as a committee, I don't see the seat. I mean, uh, you know, the, I agree that the entrance is fantastic. I agree that, you know, the way how the new library looks like. But there are so many things that are being actually developed here, especially talking about putting the master plan. You know, we would like to see what you know the relationship between the library and the studio is. We want to understand that if how to make it even more 
you know, connect to the people, like trying to break this, uh, you know, facade that's very, so, I understand that it's part of the process, but it's not, right now, I don't see it in a master plan, in this concept. I mean, at least this concept that even if they were to be, uh, they would be addressed, they need to be, in some way, uh, to um, show that there's a consideration like in a master so I don't know if that means. What, do we do we not hear them asking for a resubmission of concept approval? But that's what I heard her asking. Yeah, that, that's yeah. Really fine. I mean, it doesn't really matter to be rare. You know, well, what if, for example, uh, some of these things have any been addressed to my design? That's you know, the risk. Yeah. Here, here's here's the options. There's a motion on the table. Um, if we did defer it. That we'd have another shot at it. If we denied it, it would go to planning commission, and we would see it again since it's conceptual, the final. Um, but if it's a deferred better. I would think. I mean, unless you want to throw it to the planning commission, who knows what they're going to say? I, they'll, they'll. Well, yeah, we are not going to know. Denying the fact that the library is going to be renovated and it's going to be. Uh, yeah, I thought denying that we would get another concept submission. So let's defer it and let's look at maybe some uh, you know information that addresses some of the you know issues yeah. that were brought today. Let's let's dispose of uh, Mr. Denise's. Uh, well, I, I can mess them all up. Deferral is fine with me, but can we ask the applicant when they anticipate uh, having schematic design and being prepared to come back to the committee? So if we defer them, uh, they will have to come back. I, I believe, and Matt, you correct me if I'm wrong, that if you guys can defer it, you can say 30 days. If the applicant feels we're ready in 30 days, then they can request yeah, yeah, deferred sure. for longer. So I don't think you have to like, worry too much about Does the deferral imply the working session or no? Deferral just means come back again. Yeah. Okay. So, so maybe what I, what I instead of withdrawing my motion and change my motion to a 30 day deferral. Yeah. Second. Okay. And at that point, can we, cause, because they probably won't have renderings or, you know, it's going to maybe plans, but if they could come back in 30 days with how they're going to address the key concerns that we have about the context of the existing neighborhood, the building, the uh, addressing the sun views, yeah, and safety, if we kind of give, so that way they don't have to produce, I mean, they can delay if you think you're close, but if that's a three-month thing to actually redesign the building based on that, I would just love to know that it's being considered, because I think everything that you've said, we all fully support, fully agree with. Um, it's just we can't we can't approve based on intention. We have to approve based on what's on the screen. And we don't see it on the screen. Um, but we would love to know what your plan is to address that. Okay. So we have a motion by Mitchell Denise, a second by Tom Taylor Pearson to defer the design back for 30 days and to have the applicant to come back addressing some of the issues that were discussed during uh, the, the questioning time. 
and therefore no further motion. Oh, yeah, no, I'm not, 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 I'm not,
So I just want because. Sorry. <laughs> You're not signing? No, I don't think so. It's okay. No problem. Love parking. <laughs> so if you want to sign it, we can collect them and give them to us. Yeah, so it's just um, more. It's just like if you would like to do it here, you can. If you want to do it later, you can. If you don't want to do it at all, you don't have to do it. You were signing for a citizen. You have to speak to the person. Okay. I think that was the last thing. Does anything else? I do not have anything else. Oh, well, thank you very much. We've made it four hours officially. <laughs> Allison, you did a fantastic job. Thank you so much. Do we get refreshments next time? I will bring the donuts so the reason that we need to double up for the last month, we didn't have a Thank you. 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 Thank you.